All right, man. What's up? Brandon, my brother, great to connect with you. And I'm excited. I'm excited about this. Looked forward to it the whole day. <laughs> well, I think that, you know, I think one of the things that a lot of people are very, very curious about, um, whether it be for just the news media talking about it and, you know, really the popularity of, of Rogan and all his discussion about it, but is the use of psychedelics. And, you know, it's something you've been very, very open about. It's something I've been open about. Um, yeah, what's your take on those things? That is an interesting question and a very interesting time in the world right now. And the reason I say it is, is yes, and thank you. I've been, the day I started, so August, August 2019, I dived right, right down the rabbit hole into the world of psychedelics in the name of psilocybin. I've not, I've not ventured into the other avenues of, of the psychedelics. So it's really just been psilocybin with me. So mushrooms for people who may not know. And I was always going to, I made a commitment from the get go that I would share this with people. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I didn't have to, I could have just been a secret mushroom user and it's perfectly fine. I wasn't you know, obligated to share every detail with my life with every single person online, but I, it was, it was a rule that I made with myself. I thought, you know, Terence, if you're going to do this, and like everything I do in my life, there's no half measures. When I do something, you know, I'm like, a, I'm like really a psychopath in the sense, you know, <laughs> and when I, when I commit to things, it's all in. So yeah. I didn't think it would be authentic if I was doing these crazy deep trips with, you know, 15 grams plus, and, and not sharing it with people. I just, I would have really felt like a fake. And, and when I made the commitment, I really, it was every month I would, you know, take a Saturday afternoon off and I would just, I would just from 12 o'clock midday to six o'clock in the evening, that would be me. Five to six yeah. hours, I would go on these deep journeys and like fully commit, turn off my phone. Fortunately, I live alone. No one rang the doorbell, and and it's really gone on for exactly. So last month was the anniversary of my <laughs> my mushroom journey, and obviously I've sh- talked about it and I've been very expressive and and open about it. And right. I have noticed recently a lot of people reach out to me because they see it as, oh, okay, so this is maybe what I've been missing out on in life. Sure. Maybe, maybe, but also maybe not. I do not believe in the use of psychedelics when there are areas in your life that you have failed to address, when there are rooms in your house you haven't cleaned. Just to use the Jordan Peterson, his famous his famous analogy, one of his rules of his of his seminal work, you know, twelve rules for life. If there's rooms that haven't been cleaned, if your house is not in order, if you have debts that you have not honoured, if your physicality is not on point, if your nutrition is not on point if there are toxic relationships and resentments, I do not believe that psychedelics and ayahuasca ceremonies and all these 
these these endeavors or these practices will assist you. I believe they will they will be a recipe for 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 scary trips and dark trips. I agree with you on that. I will I will say though that I think and not to say that you're wrong, but just to say in my experience, I think the use of, of psilocybin, DMT, those things helped me see the rooms differently so that I could clean them appropriately. Does that make sense? Oh, of course it does. Of course it does. But you had a you had a willingness. You, you Sure. I was seeking you know, you, to improve, you know? Yes. You weren't seeking to and, and I know this. I'm I'm not because obviously you and I have spoken about this so much off sure. off air. You you were you knew there were rooms that needed to be cleaned. You knew there was work to do. And unfortunately, the people who've contacted me in the last few months, they don't think there's work to do. They think a psilocybin trip is, is, is a shortcut to some enlightenment. And thereafter, when you come down, oh, okay, this is, this is the person that I want to be and everything will fall in place because, you know, it was never about work or responsibilities that I had, that I had overlooked or right. neglected. It was just, you know, I, I just needed this breakthrough. And, and, yeah. and I, I encourage people gently because, you know, I'm not a medical professional and nothing I say with psilocybin is medical advice that there's so much work to do before you, before you go down the, the, um, the psychedelic route. Because do you want to be one of these people who are going on their eighth ayahuasca ceremony when their life right. is still in chaos? Like, you know, then, then now you're running the risk of becoming another cliche, unfortunately, you know? You know what's and, funny about you saying that <laughs> the, the eighth time is it's very similar to advice, though. You know, yes. and, and let's just use it. As, I'm very, I love to use analogies because, you know, for me, I have to connect the dots because I'm probably a little bit more stupid than the average person. But I have to tell, tell myself <laughs> stories about what you said so that I can make sense of it. But it's kind of like when you have a friend that really, really needs good advice. Um, they need some direction in your life and you give it to them. Like you point them to the answer, yet they don't take the answer because it's not what they want. And that's ultimately what I think what you're translating somewhat or I'm translating somewhat about the use of, of mushrooms is that taking the mushroom doesn't guarantee the experience. Your intention with the mushroom or with the, the experience of psychedelics determines your, your outcome. Yes. And, and moreover, I have never tripped on psilocybin without sitting down with my journal and writing out at least two or three A4 pages, my intention for that trip. Sure. What am I using this very, very powerful medicine? Yes, it's ancient a natural. Medicine. An ancient 700, 700, um, seven, wait, let me get this right. No, I think it's seven. Thousand years. Right? Seven thousand years. <laughs> seven thousand yeah. years, yes. This is, is not a, a, a toy. This is a something that's it's it's beyond my comprehension of what it truly is. 
the least I can do is respect it and sit down at my journal and write out that which I, I wish to address, achieve. And now I am in an academic space. I am in a healing, in a healing place, a place of nurturing. The fact that I could sit down in, 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 in quiet and private and write it out already that I am not in, in, in the group of people who, you know, want to use it for socializing and partying. And you know what? Each to their own. People need to do what they need to do. Sure. But I, am, I do not use this medicine as a form of escape <clears throat> and, and fun. And, and this is why I believe so, so importantly that you need to, you have to write down your intention. And it's yeah. everything. It is everything, and and once again, it's it's a step that people, mm, yeah, okay, it sounds good, Terence, but you know, like I'm good. I think I'm just going to skip that. Yeah. Well, once again, you can do what you need to do. I do not think that's wise, and I don't think that's respectful to something that's been around for seven thousand years. Yeah, I think <laughs> I, I think it's don't. something that. I think it's something that needs to be considered very, 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 very seriously. But I do think that if a person, any person, I, I will go so far as to say, I think universally, if someone was honest, like you're saying about your intentions, you're seeking answers. You're not just seeking an escape, but you're seeking definitive answers. Your brain is already going to be thinking in that headspace because you've written it down. You've thought about it. You felt it. And then the actual uh, psychedelic experience can can enhance those feelings and help you navigate some of the maze that is your mind. And that's the one of the things that I value most about it is I swear uh, if, if a person were to, you know, and this is what's really interesting. And I wonder if other people um, have the same kind of feelings about themselves. But if you were to just run a ticker tape across a screen of my thoughts throughout a day, um, it, it would just be madness and randomness and chaos and anger and love and peace and war. I mean, it would just be all over the place, but somehow, um, you know, we're able to channel through that and, and have an existence and have a personality that's, you know, that's presentable and it is what we are. But man, when I'm under, when, I, when I'm under those feelings or, you know, I'm, I'm into the, I guess you want to call it the, the effects of the psilocybin. I have very, very much a clarity of thought. You know, it kind of wicks away a lot of the madness and a lot of the, the noise and clutter, and it helps me get very directed towards whatever I'm focused on. And I, I want to tell you, too, I think there's something, at least for me, and, and like I say, I think it's good for us to have, you know, gray areas between our stances in that I will never, ever forget going to a concert in New York City. I was with my brother. I was with some friends. And we were there seeing Phil Lesh from The Grateful Dead, uh, Nikki Bloom, who is a very, very talented singer. And we had taken some mushrooms uh, prior to this concert. And it enhanced the entire experience. You know, it wasn't a dose that I would take very seriously as like, this is work. This is good medicine for me. But I also think if you can open your heart and open your mind, and let down some of those social anxieties that I have, then it can also enhance that experience in a way that is medicine. 
you know, because I cherish that that trip. And I don't mean the, the medicinal trip. I mean the actual trip to New York City primarily because of the four to five hours that I was at that concert with those people under the under the uh, effects of psilocybin. You know, I, I just wonder if medicine, again, is relative to the individual much more than relative as like, here's a Tylenol for your headache. You know, it's whatever yes. aches, the Tylenol works. And I think at that point in my, in my life, I very much needed to trust people. And I very much needed to find people that I considered friends that I could be myself with. And in that instance, in that city, in that concert, I remember feeling like, man, this is what it feels like to have real friends. And that was like on one and a half grams, a paramount breakthrough to know that, okay, this is what it feels like to have friends. And then from there, I could really like try to seek that replication of feeling when I'm around people. You know what I'm, you know what I'm saying? That's kind of no, convoluted. I, but yes. make, you know. <laughs> no, I, I completely understand. I completely understand. And I've also, I think the, um, besides microdosing, I have taken, I think, three, three to five grams when I've wanted to be, you know, not do deep work, but I've wanted to heighten my, my sensory um, uh, from my taste buds to appreciate the intricacies of flavors of certain meals and to, you know, walk around my, my mother's garden. It's, it's this exquisite garden with orchids and, and cactuses, and it's quite something. And I've used low doses just for that reason, because obviously I don't want to be, you know, I want to be, comp I want to be able to, you know, converse and conduct myself in society. Sure. But I, I have used what I consider very low doses to, to, to primarily enhance my, my sensory, my sensory feelings, like smell, touch, taste, and and it and it's been very successful. The food is exquisite. The plants and the garden, you you can imagine, you understand. They almost what, talk to. You. It's like they almost uh, communicate with you. And you know, I, 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 they do, and you know, I I feel the energy radiating off them, and so I I, I completely. So maybe I contradict myself. So I, I do believe in that, but I, I'm very careful to, to, advise, to advise people to, to use these incredibly powerful medicines to cut loose. Yeah. And because, only because, uh, besides you, like, this I'm not exaggerating. Besides you, everyone else I've met in person has had very bad experiences with mushrooms. So that is why the town in which I live and people who are, you know, who are learning about my experiences, it's a shock to them because they've had horrific experiences with two grams. And here's this crazy cat taking 15 to 20 what well, am what I, I doing? Yeah. <laughs> what, what what am I doing wrong? And and that's why I'm thinking, okay, maybe it wasn't a good idea to to combine psilocybin with you know a lot of alcohol, and maybe if you are on any 
what, what what's the class of you know like a recreational and, drug? Um, that, but but even um, prescription drugs in the sense of legitimate prescription drugs from a therapist. Sure, uh, what, sure. What's what what is that class of drugs? SSRIs. Is that correct? Yeah, yeah, yes. Yeah. You know, psilocybin does not go well with those. It's a fact, and and this is why I'm so I'm so nervous. I want to share my experience, but to this day, I've not encouraged anyone to do it. Well, because, I don't think it's irresponsible, man, because you know, I've, I've had, you know, we talked about um, actually one of the transition points in my life was right around the time that I started experimenting with the cube method. And I told you that was one of those trips where it was, it was a little bit darker. It was a little bit more in my face. Um, some of the some of the visualization that I had or, and do you, do you recognize this too, that like you'll have recollections of a visual, but it was only a feeling when you were, when you were under the psilocybin. Does that make yes. sense? Yeah. Definitely. So 100%. So I think that's where a lot of my stuff was, is like, it helped me. I mean, it's not to say that I got better from this, but like I at least had to face down some things that I wasn't willing to admit but it was easy enough to sweep them under the rug and kind of continue this behavior pattern, much like you're saying, um, that was, that was really tearing me down, even though it was put in my face. And I think there again, the next time that I did shrooms, I made sure that I was around a lot of people. It was going to be a very safe thing. And it was like, it was a total escape process. Again, only when I got a bit forward and, you know, I would guess, after my injury, you know, life took a, a much different kind of turn. And um, it just forced me to look at things differently. And I can remember feeling, you know, times of just feeling completely helpless as far as my body wasn't responding to training or therapy. It was driving me crazy. I wasn't able to express myself. I mean, I've been this athlete. I've been this active person. I've been this this guy my whole life. And it's been go, go, go. And you're just relegated to four weeks on your back every time you have a surgery. And I had 19 surgeries. I mean, Goodness me. You know, I was, I was really looking for some answers, but it was from a place of humility. Like I'm going to die if I don't get these answers. And ultimately, um, I think it was the second trip after I'd had a pistol in my mouth that the answers really started becoming clear. And, you know, that would have been about six months before my last surgery. I don't think had I not had that experience, and I say the experience is in that putting the gun in my mouth and then also the trip after that, which was almost immediate because I was so fucking freaked out. Um, you know, I felt like I was falling apart but wasn't willing to ask for help so much. And then the second trip was really like this. I imagine it as the man falls to his knees, like Shawshank Redemption. You know, when Andy Dufresne falls to his knees and feels the rain. Yes. I felt freedom the first time that I did that because it was like, it doesn't matter what you've done, who you've hurt, who you've lied to, or the perpetuation of all that. Like, what matters is what you do now that you have new information. And it allowed me to view myself in a forgiving way. Like, from the standpoint of if I gave you a hammer and a nail and I said, hey, go build me a home and you'd never built a home before, you could probably construct something similar. 
But if yes. I asked you to do that for 10 years and you worked with a crew and they taught you and they showed you, well, you could be the finest home builder in the world. But my relationships, my communication skills, my ability to forgive and my unwillingness to have anything but hate and anger in my heart stunted my ability to be a good person. And I just needed more practice and more repetition at these things. And as I started to find better people in my life, stopped having certain people in my life, changed habits about my life. And like you said, even though the house wasn't perfect and it was still on fire, at least I was holding the garden hose or, you know, the fire hose, <laughs> you know, working towards putting it out. And then I had that second trip and it all just seemed to make sense. And it was like, at that point I started making some phone calls, started writing some apology letters. I mean, handwriting things and, you know, really seeking people out. Like some people are like, dude, why are you apologizing for this? Because for the last 10 years, it's fucking trivialized my life. You know, it, I'd stump yes. I think about and the kind of obsessive personality that I am, I can tend to really self-destruct over those kind of things. So man, it's just a, I, I'm very careful now that you've said it because I'm thinking about it. I don't want to glamorize this and make it cool. I want, I want people to hear it. I worry this, about that. I well, worry about it every day of my life. Sure. And that's the thing is I don't want it to be, chic and sexy and i guess it is at some level you know for people to talk about this and whatnot i would rather yes. think it's like an awakening you know it's it's here's this piece of information that leads you to the water 500 yards from the village rather than walking two miles that way to gather water you know it's just a, it's like it's not a fucking hack because it's been here forever and we've ignored it but it is something that can absolutely enhance your life if it's the right avenue of treatment for the time that you're in in your life. Maybe that's Definitely. maybe that's a fair way to say it. That's that's actually the best way I've ever heard it expressed. And you know, I'm I'm going to be very what I want to share with you on this podcast, there are going to be listeners who are, "Oh wow, I need to get on that." That just this has transformed his life. It's enabled him to create content. It's enabled him to write training programs and overcome fear and heartache and trauma and PTSD. But I also want to share things that, the other side of it, I've seen very, very dark, terrifying things that didn't terrify me, not because I'm some superhuman who's fearless, because I knew where I was. I was, I knew where I was and I knew that if I'm going to do this, I'm going to let go completely and I'm going to allow the mushroom, the mushroom God, <laughs> the plant medicine to take me on this journey. I'm not going to fight it. So the journey may consist of seeing some really dark things. You know, I have seen demonic forces. I have seen very scary things. But I always felt safe because I always felt that the mushrooms don't want to take me to a place that's going to just terrify me and then leave me stranded. Yeah. So I was able to, to see very, very terrifying things. So when now people tell me, I took two grams and I cried in the corner for three hours, I get that because I can imagine what they saw. Sure. It's not... 
it's not always for me, you know, these incredible uh, sacred geometric patterns and, you know, this incredible ego dissolution and compassion. Yes, it is that. But on my last two trips, there's been some, there's been some dark forces at play and I've overcome them. When I say, ah, I've allowed the mushroom, the plant medicine to, to show me once I've accepted the lesson, then I've been carried away or carried through this darkness. But there is darkness. And, and this is something I need people to understand. When you, when you seek answers to things and you write down answers, excuse me, questions, the answers will not always be what you want to hear, you know, or yeah. what, you want to, what you want to know. And that's a very, very difficult thing. You know, you've you know, you got to be very careful what you ask for and what you want in life because you might get the answer and you might get what you want. Now, on, a, on not, not this weekend's trip, but my trip I did a month prior, I saw demons stirring a pot. And I was standing right in front of them, and these were like demons, like proper scary demons. I wasn't afraid. I was not afraid, this is going to sound crazy to people, because there was a big dolphin next to me. And, <laughs> no, no. <laughs> and, 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 I, <laughs> and, and I, the demons were very scared of this dolphin. Like I could see that this dolphin's got my back, and the demons are very scared of the dolphin, but they're still doing their work. And they Is were he staring. a tactical dolphin? He's, no, got, he's, your tactical. he's got your six. And he was And his squeaks were reassuring to me. And I was wondering what these demons were up to. And then it made sense. Oh, this is what happens when my ego is not controlled. It, these demons make a stew out of my ego. And as soon as that thought hits... The demons looked like naughty children. You know when you've caught a child out in the act? Yeah. It's like, oh shit, you, you've caught us. And then the dolphin squeaked and the demons disappeared. Man. And then I got on, and then I got on the dolphin's back and we rode away. So <laughs> it, it's, it, it's quite funny and ridiculous. But No, it's heavy though. I know, in the sense that Imagine if upon seeing these demons, I just freaked out and forgot about the dolphin and then fought it, you know, and, and it's a very, it's, it, it's, it's very funny now, you know, it's funny, yeah. but there is darkness and, and, I, and there's been other, many other stories like that where there's been an evil entity or a dark force and creatures have come to my aid. Often, often sea creatures, the creatures that I find very calming octopus, dolphins, whales, and they seem to you're override. You're very connected to the ocean. You're, you're very, very, you incredible. love to it surf. Is. Yeah. Uh, and I'm, so I'm always in the ocean and I find incredible, I've been out surfing oftentimes and, and pods of a hundred dolphins have come within arm's reach of me and, and squeaked past me. And I, I, you feel that this is an animal, but it's, it's, it may as well be an alien. 
An octopus may as well be an alien. Whale sure. may as well be an alien. And, and when I trip, these creatures are my guards. They are my anchors. So I can see demons up to mischief. And it's quite funny. Demons are actually always up to mischief. Go, go figure. Yeah. And so now they never terrify me. I just need to work out what they are up to. Yep. Work out their mischief. And then one of my creatures always has my six. <laughs> and that's I, I told you, I was thinking about that, the tactical dolphin with like a gun belt, you know, a yes. pistol on his side. <laughs> but he can't reach his pistol because his, his flipper's too short. <laughs> and and it, it, it is crazy. And, you know, people will, will listen to this and, and, and it's, it is, it is crazy, but I'm really so, I'm so wary of just saying, yes, take mushrooms, take as much as me. And there's going to be dolphins and whales and it's going to be, you know, but because I, I don't know what, how, how people might deal with the uncomfortable elements. And, you know, my trips are six hours long sometimes. Sure. It can't just be fantastic shapes you know, right. and, and exploding fractals of color. Yes, it is. There's also these periods, and, and on this last weekend's trip, I felt the fear of what's going on in the, and I won't say the world, I will say my hometown. And I tapped into the fear. I didn't feel fearful, but it was, oh, wait a minute, Terence, there's a lot of fear in this town. There's a lot of insecure, insecurity and fear, and I felt it. And yeah. I, my eyes started watering because this deep sense of compassionate for the hull that many people are in. Many people are in a, in a, in a hull, maybe of their design, maybe not. And... It was, it was quite something to, to momentarily be tapped in or tuned in to a, a very real fear that, is, that, is, that, that exists at the moment because of what's gone on in the economy and, and the world. And, you know, it's put strain on relationships and marriages and, and finances. And that was quite difficult for me because it's something I know on an intellectual level. Like you and I know that things have been tough for people, intellectually, sure. academically, but to tap into, oh, wait a minute, there are people in pain. There are people who are thinking about taking their life, people who yeah. have taken their life. That's a lot to absorb, and I don't think everyone's in a position to absorb that. Sure. Well, I'll tell you, you know, a story. It's, it's, I, I want to come back to that, but I want to say this too, because the truth doesn't always come out like like in black and white when it's when it's in your mind and this one time you know i can remember very clearly always having this feeling and i was an antagonist you know when i my social media presence was i'm the biggest i'm the baddest i'm the strongest and fuck you that was kind of like my <laughs> my approach to it and um the thing about it is is when you when you have that type of mentality it's rooted in a lot of insecurity it's rooted in the fact that you have to project those things because you are not those things and yes. for me I always felt like somebody was out to get me like I always had to be prepared for the next defense attack right um, 
and one of my trips that was very, very instrumental to breaking some of that thought process was I was in the woods, um, go figure, but I was in the <laughs> woods and I was, I was just, it was dark and it, the moon was kind of out and I could hear these wolves and it was very much like I was not acknowledging them, but I was still walking away from them and they would just get closer and closer and closer. <clears throat> and I keep thinking, my God, they're going to get me. They're going to get me. And it was the same kind of fear or same kind of feeling just amplified 10,000% that I would feel, you know, engaging in an argument online. Like I was like, Oh, this, this is going to be the downfall of everything that I've ever done. You know, like somebody's going to pick me apart. Somebody's going to say this, somebody's going to say that. And what it turns out is, is I'm actually looking over and I see there's a rabbit just hopping from tree to tree. <laughs> And the wolves come in and they destroy. And, and I mean, they just rip this rabbit to pieces. And he's a big rabbit. Like it's, it's almost Alice in Wonderland-esque as far as like <laughs> the size of this thing. But they rip, yes. they rip it to pieces and they keep going back for meat and, and meat. And I'm able to get closer and closer and closer. And all I really find out is that these are just wild dogs. These aren't even wolves. These are just people that are, or these are just animals that would let me walk over and pet them. They were just starving. They weren't chasing me. They were just chasing the nourishment. And they were so docile when I came over there that they actually cowered. And that would have been the truth in those situations had I gone back to myself and said, you know what? Not everyone is looking at you when they're saying these things. Not everyone is talking about you when you're saying these things. But when you're guilty of these things, that's when they're talking about you. You know, you yes. can someone can generalize whatever, you know, like. The person from this the person from this town is stupid. Well, if you know you're not stupid, you don't feel that. But when you know that you're guilty or you might be a little bit, you know, guilty of what they're saying, then it feels very personal. And if it feels very personal, maybe you should address that. And that's what I took away from that. Like it wasn't this literal thing like, hey, stop taking people's bullshit personal unless it, the shoe fits. You know? Yes. And <laughs> and if it fits, then change it. You know what I mean? Like do something about it. But those, that's kind of the explanation that I would give. And if someone had turned around, you know, in that, say in that same experience and, and ran towards them or run from them and drawn the attention, you know what I mean? Like that whole scenario could have played out so, so differently. And I think it could have been a bad experience because I wasn't afraid. I was just aware. And I think yes. that's a very, very significant difference, especially when you're going under, um, and I really do think that the more that you fight the feeling of letting go, which I call going under, um, yes. the harsher it is because you yourself are not going to be, oh, it's just like if somebody gives you morphine, you, you yourself cannot command your body to, to override the input that that medicine gave you. The that's a great analogy. That's, a, that's incredible. You can't overcome an anesthetic with, exactly. the, with the power of your mind. And that's the same thing here is you have to open your mind. If we're talking about, you know, let's, let's talk a little bit scientifically and I'm going to bastardize this. So excuse me, I'm not speaking scientifically from <laughs> the standpoint of, you know, of a lecturer, but I'm speaking about science that I have interpreted and I'm trying to translate here. So, you know, they talk about the synapses and the damage and the, the, the degradation over time that your brain goes through and how when people are young or, you know, the, 
the, the pineal gland is firing in a child's synapses are just wide open. They're connected. They're fresh. They're young. They're, they're, they're strong. The connections are strong. And as we age, they slow down. Uh, we get hit her in the head maybe one too many times with the old soccer ball or, you know, we're in a car crash or, or combat or any of these number of things and parts of our brain don't get the right amount of currency. And you have to, and, and I mean, currency as far as currents, like electricity. Yes. And the cool thing about psilocybin and DMT is that specific chains of, of or strains can actually begin to heal brain tissue. It can heal those synapse connections. So that's one of the things that I think about too when I'm doing this. If I'm closed off, imagine trying to work on your, your car with the hood closed. You cannot, you cannot get inside there to do the work, but if you're open and you expose the engine by taking the engine cover off and you expose the spark plugs by taking the, the cap off, now you can actually get into these things and start working with the wiring. You can go inside the electronic control model or the power control module and you can look at these things inside out instead of just trying to poke and prod and like command your thought to fix this thing. Now there's actually a technician via this psilocybin medicine working through your brain internally and fixing. And I, I kind of imagine it sometimes, and I've actually felt it one time, like, uh, like these little worms that were just digging into my brain. And it was kind of like a tickling feeling. Um, but it was when the psilocybin was starting to take effect. You know, I could just kind of felt my brain tickle. And I imagine yes. <laughs> I told myself that it was these little worms that were digging in there to do the good work. But I just think that you have to be open. Like, it's not something you don't go to a fucking airport and, and get on a plane if you're terrified of flying. You know, you <laughs> can just drive there. So if you're going to be afraid of this thing, if you're going to be scared of this thing, you should respect it. But you should not be f- afraid of it because being afraid is going to be a limiting factor in the, in the growth that you feel from it. But I also think it's going to be a detrimental factor to the experience that you have. You know, it's no, no one is ever going to give you more when you're pulled back. Right. Yes. I don't think you're going to get the same for medicine. You know, what's interesting, you, you, you mentioned the airplane and I was just thinking, so if I'm going to come visit you in Kentucky and I hop on a plane here in Durban, once I'm on that plane, it's, oh, no, no, turn around, turn around. No, the plane's going to land in Atlanta. <laughs> That's what the, a trip's like. Yeah. You are, go, you are going on the trip. The plane has left the airport. You, <laughs> you might want to go back to Durban. I might want to go back to Durban, but that plane's Atlanta bound. And yeah, that's man. what I told my friends. I said, you take whatever dose of mushrooms, you don't have to go, you know, to these crazy high doses, but whatever doses you take, you are, you are going somewhere. Okay. Whether you like to want to or not. And, your reluctance to go, it, it will not, it won't serve you. It, and just what you've mentioned, it will, it will not serve you because you are going on this trip, you know? Yeah. And, and this is what I, and I say and I encourage, if you're not prepared for that, you, you, please don't get, on the, don't get on the train, don't get on the plane. You, yeah, well, you can't. well, and it's not even like, you know, that's going to be, what, a 15-hour flight, 16-hour flight? Yes. It, you know, that's, that's essentially what, what an experience on mushrooms is like because time is slowed down. You yes, know, it, it, um, have you ever had one that kind of sped up? Have you ever had one that accelerated time? 
No, I've never, but it's it, every time it astounds me how time does stand still. Yeah. I remember having a trip with a friend, um, <laughs> and I'd actually left <laughs> and, and gone back to my place. We lived just catty-cornered from one another, and uh, I could start to feel the effects, so I got home. And this is how far it was. Like from the time that I left where I was like having my first set of giggles, um, I got to my front door where I was literally about to piss myself laughing. And I sat down on the couch rolling, like not even able to breathe, <laughs> laughing so hard. And I called him and I said, I, I did exactly what you're doing. I was just laughing into the phone. And I went over to my text message, still hysterically laughing into my phone. And I said, four minutes. And that's how long it had been since I left his house. And it felt like fucking hours. It felt like I was like uh, the beginning of Kung Fu, David Carradine, <laughs> drifting across this desert, wandering around. But it had been four minutes and about 600 yards. That is, <laughs> and, and, you know, I completely, this laughing, this laughing hysterically, it doesn't happen to me every trip. But my goodness me, there has been episodes when I have been unable to stop laughing. It's always when you need to stop laughing. It, it's, it's, you know, when I think I sent you a voice note that day when the big fat bumblebee flew past me and sat on the flower next to me. Yes. And I could not stop laughing at this bumblebee. And, you know, just to obviously share with the listeners, and I sent you a voice note straight away. I said, Brandon, people want to try and understand the world and all the secrets in the world and all these mysteries. But they can't understand how a bumblebee with its fat body and small wings can fly. <laughs> I, I, <laughs> I, I was screaming. I was screaming because this bee was just busy doing what a bee does. And you could see it's like with such a fat body and these little ridiculous wings. And this thing's fl- and this, thi- this, this creature's flying. And we want to know about aliens and Loch Ness monsters and yetis. These things that may or may not exist, but when, you know, science, apparently, physics still doesn't understand how a bumblebee can fly. <laughs> and exactly. I was, I, was, I was crying. And, you know, another, another episode of hysterics, I was, I was actually staring at the ocean, and then I imagined a giant, I didn't see it, I imagined a giant peach. Because I was recently, you know, I found an, a Roald Dahl book from childhood in my bookshelf. Yep. And I imagined a giant peach floating in the ocean, you know, like Roald Dahl's James and the Giant, giant Peach. peach. Yep. And I started screaming because I remember I've read Roald Dahl's biography when he, he you know, he mentions that he, he had a little wooden writing hut in his garden. And that's where he created his incredible famous stories. I couldn't stop laughing at that that notion. This brilliant man with these crazy stories and crazy characters, they really just were were came about obviously through his his genius and his mind, but in his very simple wooden writing huts. He didn't have to travel to incredible countries and visit cities to 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 find inspiration. He just sat in his garden in a wooden hut, and I could not stop laughing at it. It was it was so funny to me, <clears throat> and it was just so beautiful, and it was so simple. How there's just there's there's fantasy and 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 
incredible stories, but we, we don't necessarily have to go to the extremes to, to create them. Yes, not all of us are authors. And, and it led me to understand there's magic in our own backyards. You know, that's how our, that was the lesson for me in that moment. There's magic in our own homes and own backyards if only we care to look and seek. And it was just so funny to me. <laughs> and can you imagine, not to totally go sideways on you here, but I just think we can keep in and out of the mushroom talk and the psilocybin talk. But I think something you said there, you know, I think a lot of times when we interpret people's success or we interpret people's work, you know, a success like The Rock. You know, yes. I think there's probably a person that assumes that everywhere he goes, he's in a three piece business suit. And, um, <laughs> you know, he's just out here making deals, wheeling and dealing and, you know, on and on and on. And um, that's not true. Like, he's just a guy that wears sweatpants sometimes and T-shirts sometimes. And I think that we forget that these people are human and they have other experiences. They have other realities. You were talking about Roald Dahl being this character that, you know, would go to his garden and he would write and he had his little hut. What about Anne Frank? Yes. Think about that, man. I mean, like when you were talking about that, her face just kept coming up and, you know, talk about someone finding, I don't know if it's inspiration or just will at this point to, to put something down to, to memorialize what she's experienced and what she's gone through. And I mean, I, I struggle. I've said too, that I struggle with, with writing out how I feel and this, that, and the other. I can't imagine that that was ever a thought in her mind. Her, the only thought in her mind was just write. I would assume. Yes. Yes. The world needs to know about this. Should yes, we write can, anything I, that the world doesn't need to know about? Yeah. I know. That's how <laughs> you can imagine. You know, she was. I can't even comprehend what that that must have been like. You know, like I, I, and maybe she didn't even realize it at the time. Maybe she actually maybe it, was it wasn't the innocence of a yeah, child. You know, yeah, maybe it was. Um, maybe it was a bit beyond her that the world needs to know about this one, this atrocity, because it cannot ever happen again. Maybe it, no, maybe it just was a child documenting day-to-day -day life, and, and, and that's the beauty. We don't know. And, I just can't imagine. I mean, I was about to say, can you imagine how trivial writing something in a journal must have felt? But could you imagine that might have been the only sliver of freedom she felt? A hundred percent, because even with real freedom, you know, you and I have access to real freedom. I still find an incredible cathartic freedom via my my daily journaling. It's, did you struggle? You, did you struggle with journaling at first? You know, I didn't, and and. I don't know. I'm just, I really want to, you know, answer these questions. You know, I want to be 
understand and appreciate the right now there might may be someone who who's listening who really does struggle it's like oh fuck you terence like why was it so easy for you yeah <laughs> I, I feel that way most of the time people so whenever i talk to parents he's like oh i just did this thing the first time i ever tried it i'm over here like punching myself in the dick thinking about god it'll take me 10 years to even try <laughs> the, the, thank you you're welcome <laughs> <laughs> the reason the reason I didn't is because I knew that this wasn't going to be marked or graded and this is for no one's eyes but myself so there's no wrong there's no wrong I can write silly rhymes like the cat in the hat I can write about write down some recipes as long as I'm expressing myself in any way, in any way, because everything is, is, is expressive when you write in your journal. You are creating art, not necessarily art that the world would be interested in, but you are creating art, your art. And it's real to you, and you need to take ownership of that and appreciate it. And I was always, fortunately, able to, Terence, this is not for the world, this is yours, so there's no wrong, and it's all right, and it's all beautiful, so just freestyle. And, you know, eight years in now, and, and it's been instrumental in, in, in my healing and, and working through painful traumatic events in my life and actually working out who the hell I am. Like, who the hell am I? You know, stripped of labels that society bestows upon me. Who am I? And... I haven't battled with it, and I, I've had so much fun with it. It's so fun because it's my own fantasy land. When I journal, it's my, it's maybe like how it was for Roald Dahl writing his stories. There are no rules. There are no regulations. Crazy things can happen, and that's kind of my rules for journaling. And <laughs> if that no, answers I think, your question. No, I think it's a, <laughs> I think it's honest and I think it's real. I mean, it's not something that I would say that I struggle with. I can fill pages. Um, what I struggle with is I wrestle with the idea that if I don't write something that matters, the journaling doesn't matter, you know? Uh, and instead of just putting whatever, like I said, instead of writing that ticker tape style of just brain thought and flow, and then once the idea catches running with it, it's like I try to edit it before I put it down. You know yes. what I mean? And I think that becomes a paralysis by analysis. Um, but I think that people just need to start asking very, very simple questions uh, of themselves. I mean, if I were to give somebody advice and, you know, a direction or a lesson and things that have helped me, it would just be ask simple questions. Like as simple as what's your relationship like with your dad? What's your relationship like with your mom? And from those answers, you can get different questions. Like me and my dad, for a lot of years, we were we were kind of at odds with one another. And, um, probably, you know, he was right and knew I was wrong and I was wrong and thought I was right. So I was at odds with him about a lot of things. And, you know, when I went through the journaling, I was able to really discover that the distance and the problems all stemmed from my either behavior or unwillingness to communicate and articulate what I was feeling. So by saying, what is my relationship with my dad? Well, 
for a long time, it wasn't very good. Um, it could get better, but it's, it's okay right now. Okay. What prompted this deconstruction of your relationship? How did it start to get better? Uh, what are the things that you care about your dad? What would you miss if you passed away today? What could you fix that's still broken? You know, it, it, to me, I like those kind of questions that lead to more questions that finally lead to more answers. And I think the only problem with that is I never get satisfied with the answer. Yes. I understand you know, that. I understand you know, and, that. And I think that's a problem that, that kind of creeps into a lot of areas of my life where it's like, I don't need more of this, but I, I know how to get more of something. Like I know how to work really hard and get more, but I don't know how to qualify the satisfied point. Okay, I understand. I really do. You know what's helped me in that regard? Knowing that not everything I do, everything I write, every training session, every interaction, I need to strike gold. And I think you know this, you know? Oh, yeah. And, and, and knowing knowing, and, and truly fucking knowing. Like, I know now that if I write two A4 pages in a journal, there's maybe one line that's, oh, that's actually pretty well written. If you took this line, now you could formulate an essay. I'm happy with that. Sure. And, and you know, I have interactions throughout the day, all every day, like every other human on earth. They're not deep and meaningful. They're just, you know, interactions with other humans. And yes, it would be incredible if every interaction was deep and meaningful. And... I've become very accepting of the fact that I'm not going to strike gold all the time. And that's okay. That's okay. And, and, and like The Rock, you know, to bring it back to The Rock, he's not in a three-piece suit just crushing it every 24-7, you know. It's, <laughs> I have to also accept the fact that, yes, I want to be disciplined and I want to be driven and I want to, you know, become known for being a man of my, my, a man of my word but, you know, it's sometimes my life's going to be pretty, pretty, you know, it's going to be an, uh, an average day. You know, I'm not going to do anything spectacular. Maybe my meals won't be incredibly spectacular on a given day. No great insights. And, and, and that's okay as well. And it took me quite a while to, once, you know, I was down this path of like self-discovery, self-awareness and self-advancement, I had to say, Terence, you know, you need to understand that you can't knock it out the park every day. It's not going to happen. And right. the, further, the further along your journey, you're actually going to knock it out the park less and less. Because you can imagine, you know, when you get to a certain yeah. level of anything, powerlifting or archery, the better you are, you know, these, these high, these tapping into your you know, these flow states is actually more and more difficult because you are just at a higher level. And, and, that, and that helped me. And that certainly helps me with my journaling and, and just everything I strive to improve upon. You know, surfing is another goodness me. Talk about something that you're just never satisfied because there's always just a thousand things you can do on any given wave. And knowing that I don't need to do them 
I found true freedom and, and greater expression. Because I think not, I think it could hinder the, cre the creative process when you think you have to be on point 24-7. I don't think that's conducive for creativity. True, explosive, expressive creativity. It's not. And that's the thing that, <clears throat> like I said, I used to be really good at, um, you know, just kind of accepting that I would rather have the, you know, I'd rather have a golden nugget once in a while than golden dust here and there. <laughs> and uh, of so... But it, it seemed like at some point throughout powerlifting, you know, maybe it was because I was working with different sponsors and, and nobody really, I wouldn't say pressured me, but I felt like I had an obligation, like just a positive obligation to people that I worked with or the sport. You know, I wanted to be maybe myself, you know, a challenging figure for people, but I also wanted the sport to do better because I was a part of it. And yes. um, I think a lot of times, then it became that I felt, okay, if I want to do good, I have to do something right now. Instead of saying, you know what, that's not really worth saying or that's not really worth posting or it's not really, it kind of trivializes everything else that you're about if you post this, this thing or that. Like social media definitely, definitely because, I mean, a lot of my income, my coaching, my seminar work and all that stuff, you understand, became yes, very, very connected to my presence on social media. You know, if I went inactive for a week or two, um, I didn't have to look very far to realize that it had a negative impact on, on my business. So, you know, it, it became this almost, I don't want to call it compulsion because it was never just a, I never related it so much as a bad thing. I just felt like I was always a little bit behind the game on what worked and what didn't work and how you should approach this versus not. And I think the best thing that happened for me really after my injury <clears throat> was when I started talking to you about training with kettlebells and center mass bells, because then I had no idea of what my creation, like my ability to create content was going to be like, because when I had a yes. barbell on my back, people somewhat expected me to be an expert or display excellence. Let's say that. I don't, I don't know if that's true, but that's what I felt. And if I showed a 225 pound squat, no one cared. So I felt like I needed to, to, you know, always be on and always be pushing and always be chasing the next PR and that kind of thing. But my personality changed somewhere along the way, probably around the time of my injury. And then when I started working with you and talking with you about all this stuff, I was really able to say, you know what, I'm purely an amateur again. I have no obligation to anything because the only thing I can tell people to do is go follow Terrence because that's what I'm doing. You know, it wasn't like I had to create the content from a leadership standpoint anymore, whatever that perception was real or not, you know, I felt somewhat of an obligation to post something so that if there was a guy out there that was like on the fence about going to the gym that day and, and having a good workout or whatever, maybe I was the tipping point that gave them a better workout or gave them a better day. And it's like, dude, you're not that fucking important. And when I had that kind of distinction that I had my 15 minutes at that level but what I can say and do now can be much more impactful because it doesn't have to be anything but what it is. So I wanted to just share your training, and that's why we did the Peace, Love, and Meat thing. I wanted to share your training just as kind of like an opening journal to what I was doing. You know, Thank trying you. to. Wow. Well, I mean, wow. But, it's, wow. but it really did help because, you know, it, it took some of the responsibility that I felt to have a, a point of like, 
here's what you do to improve your bench press or here's what you do for this. It's like, no, here's me just trying to get my life back together. Here's me just trying to get my body back together. And it just changed the perspective on the same thing. I, I'm making more videos now with positive content because I'm not doing anything but telling you exactly what I'm doing. You know, it's yes. very easy to create that because it's the truth. That's beautiful. It's very easy to create it because it's the truth. And wow, that's <laughs> the truth is effortless. You know, the truth is it's it's. You know, if I did something, and you said, Terrence, what did you do? And I said, you know, Brent, I woke up, I jumped to the ice, and I made breakfast. If I did that, and there was no ducking and diving and something I'm leaving out because I don't really want you to know about it, you can in interrogate me and you can ask me what I did in 300 different ways. The truth is the truth. If it's nope. the truth, I cannot tell you any other story. If I'm lying and I actually snuck off and I had a McDonald's quickly and then I got home and I walked the dog, you know, and I left out these details. If you ask me 300 times in 300 different ways what I did, that would come out. Sure. It would. And, and that's obviously, you know, when people who do it for a living, detectives, etc., etc., interrogate suspects, you can't manipulate somebody if they're telling the truth you cannot there's no way because all they know is what all is 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 all they did <laughs> right well and that's the thing too is it's like there were days i can remember that i would only and this is this is where my relationship was with training there were days that the only thing that made me train was the feeling of like okay create a video or create a, a post that shows that you're still training. Like I felt more of an obligation to that than I yes. actually did to okay. the act. So yes. it was like, man, that's, I mean, it's, it's even gross to say that now, but you know, that's kind of like the, the death growl of, of who I was. I mean, really it's just, that was how inauthentic I felt even for myself was that I was allowing that to go on just, just to try to continue to be this person when really it was like, I mean, you don't have to be that guy. You can just be whoever you are. You like, you fucking do whatever you want. You go shovel gravel for the rest of your life. Nobody's going to give a shit. Like, yes. you know, it's, it's just crazy how, well, even this morning, <clears throat> you know, I, I was, as we, you and I talked about quite a bit, just got sucked into about a five minute roll through on the Instagrams. And, uh, <laughs> you know, you're sitting here and it's just like, it's, it's almost comedy, and that's what's the tragedy of it, is it's like, this is so much insanity on both sides of this fucking argument, the American argument. I mean, it's, we have a fucking situation where one candidate walks in and plays Despacito, and it's, and it's like, <laughs> he thinks, that's, he thinks that's, that's socially a positive, and then on the other side of that, Donald Trump flips it and puts Fuck the Police by NWA, <laughs> and, dubs it, and dubs it over and it's like this is the two people that we have running for the presidency in this country and it's like we've just lost it over here but for me man um i i just <laughs> let myself get drawn into those things sometimes and just in really utter disbelief but i put my phone down two minutes later and i was like 
I don't feel anything but calm and good. And like, and it's so easy. We're just so susceptible to those things and we don't even realize it. Like I was like, don't scroll, don't scroll. But then I see one meme that's funny. And then that (laughs) leads to one that's serious. (laughs) So then I try to find another one that's funny, you know, and it just, uh, man, I I can't, I can't deal with that stuff anymore, man. And it's, what do you guys see when you're looking across the pond at us? Like, what are you? What are your sentiments on it? I don't want to make this a big political dive, but I mean, just your highlights of what you think. You know, the fuck is you going know on what? Over here. It's outrageous. Just for me personally, I, I can't speak for you know, obviously my fellow countrymen. And I understand. You know, I have I've tried to you know educate myself on you know. The, the U.S. political system, and I understand it's a gridlocked system, and I understand that a gridlock, a grid, a gridlock system, keeps tyranny away, and and I appreciate that. I know that a president of the U.S. doesn't actually have the power to do what he wants, and it's a good thing because you know, you know, <laughs> Trump said, "Hold my beer." <laughs> yeah, um, pretty much, and I understand the gridlock nature of of the U.S. system. Sure, but it. Be be that as it may, I'm astounded that in a, well, a country of 350 million people, those are the two best. I can't get over that. I, the, the, those are the two people vying for the job. Unless, no, it unless it's what Rogan says, you know, unless the 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 really smart people do not want the job, you know, that that's that seems like a good argument. Well, here's something else, and this is, uh, again, this is, like I say, I'm not a conspiracy guy. Um, I actually, like, it's like if you know the answers, if you have all this evidence and all this compounding and all this understanding of what the heck is actually going on, why are you just making memes about it, bro? (laughs) You know what I mean? Like Exactly. So it kind of trivializes the message or the argument when it's like, the only thing that you're pissed off just enough to make memes and IG live videos. So, but nevertheless, um, <laughs> I just get, so, I, yeah, it's, just, it's, it's pretty crazy. But what I was going to say about it is, um, it, it's like almost at a comedy point where I don't know any Democrats that are like really, really happy with the selection of Biden. I don't know any Republicans that are like, man, you know, Trump is just like the greatest president. He is our president. So I will back him. Yes. But I don't know that they're saying he's like the greatest president of all time. <laughs> my, my stance on things is whoever is our president, regardless of, of party, I, I, I root for them. I won't say I support them necessarily, but I root for them because it's like if you're not, you're kind of rooting against your country. But I just, I just don't know what the, what the world is looking at us thinking right now, man. I, I just don't know if there's, if there's any – and this is something I guess I should probably try to, do, <laughs> try to do on a trip, honestly, is like just analyze what my feelings are about things if certain scenarios play out, you know? Because I don't think, do you think the world will ever go back to what it was at, at, you know, say January of this year? No. Yeah. No, it won't. It won't. And there's. There's... Do, you th- do you think it's going to be a back step or do you think it's going to be – well, actually, Greg from, from uh, Wolf Brigade said something today that was really, really interesting to me. He said – you know, and we were talking about in the terms of, uh, of, of training, 
we use the words uh, lateral moves or a step backwards. It's like, I'm going to take a step back from this thing, rest up and go forward. Well, no, yes. actually the step back was the step forward. You know what I mean? Because that allowed you <laughs> yes. to recover and go. So he was like, I, I hesitate to call things a step backward. I guess I should just say whatever happens next with this country. Do you, do you perceive it from the outside looking in that things will tighten down from a freedom standpoint? Or do you think that there will be some kind of retaking of the freedom? Well, I do believe because, you know, law and order has to prevail. And I believe in a, in a country like the, like the U.S. that has the ability to, you know, because it's got the means, the military and the police, that once this political race is over and there's no need to worry about election or re-election, you know, these... these these ridiculous people who think they can, you know, destroy people's properties and this this terrible behavior. I don't believe that's going to be tolerated. You know, yeah. I, I, be, I believe there'll be, people will just be, big buses will drive past people rioting in the streets, detain them instantly and chuck them in a, in, in a type of, Guantanamo uh, a type, type place. A, a type of Guantanamo for bloody, you know, internal terrorists. I really think so because, yeah. you know, there's no one to impress now. And, and, and quite frankly, why the fuck should, you know, normal people be in fear of, of children, spoiled children throwing Molotov cocktails into their homes and businesses? So I, I think, well, certainly if Trump's elected, that shit's not going to pass, you know? Yeah. Maybe, maybe he's been a little bit... Um, hesitant to be heavy-handed because yeah. you know it's, it's it's precarious times for him but i think if he is goodness me it's going to be quite it's going to be quite um there's going to be a type of certainly the law will not just you know disappear and fade away sure. <laughs> there's, there's going to be no defunding of the police that's for sure absolutely well how are things how are things over there i mean it from the from the conversation that we've had, it just seems like things are just edging towards somewhat sense of normal with pertaining to you just have to wear a mask in public, correct? It is, and you know we have we have our government you guys were pretty locked so, down at, at one point. Yeah, we're pretty locked down, and you know we have one of the world's most corrupt governments, not the most corrupt, but we're certainly on the top ten, I think, and um, so. Our governments used this lockdown to to enrich themselves, truly. Believe it or not, you know. They've done it, you know, by prohibition of alcohol and cigarettes. They they have created a black market where you can, you know, purchase alcohol and cigarettes. And it's enriched politicians. It's 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 so outrageous and so it's such an open secret that, you know. You know, us South Africans, we laugh about these things because there's nothing you can really do. There's no corruption like African corruption. It's quite something. It's, it's so, your most corrupt politician wouldn't even make the team here in South Africa. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm, I'm serious. And everything, to, to, to do a job in, in, in South Africa, to, to get something passed, to, you know, 
get a legal a legal government contract or tender it's it's corruption you can't do it any other way the african system knows no other way so unfortunately lockdown has just been another another means through which you know people and can be manipulated but you know we we're starting to there was actually a presidential address tonight i think borders are opening up so this 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 whole thing is behind us now but it's been a difficult time because you know think about everything that's been terrible about lockdown in the states a first world country you know people not being able to work businesses closing businesses being closed for good but there's still been stimulus checks whether some yeah. people believe believe in them or not well in africa there's no stimulus checks it's no work close your business every man for himself and it's and so what's happening in africa in south africa and i think the world it's going to be this is how my my fortune telling i foresee it getting better for those who get it and so much worse for for those who are blind still who though for those who still think you know the adults on tv know what's best for us or our leaders are there to lead us yeah. it's life is going to get so much worse for those people and and for those who you know, for the critical thinkers and for people who, who who are not part of the system you know the mavericks the renegades call them what you will life will be interesting it'll be exciting it, it it will not be without its controversies but it will be manageable and 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 even successful but for those who think it's going to go back to how it was when big government wants me to be safe and happy big pharmaceutical knows what's best for me those people are will enter a hell a hell's coming for them i believe what do you think I- Well, I was just going to ask you kind of to expound maybe on hell and and to re- really remove us from the here and now um so anything that we say is fair play cuz man people are so fucking sensitive about every goddamn thing I I just like I was just thinking back about our conversation and how we both kind of made a joke about Trump like Trump's my president I'm rooting yep. for that guy so hard um and then I made a joke about Biden it's like I'm really rooting hard for that guy not to be our president but I'm like you I don't agree that either one of those guys at nearly 80 years old with 80 year old ideals should be trying to take our country over the precipice of one of the worst disasters we've ever seen I just think that we're in a fucked up time man and I'm trying to trying to make some sense and laugh about it like it's fucking yeah. sad for real but just to remove us from any more like controversy about the here and now <laughs> people getting their feelings fucking hurt um Let's talk 20 years in the future. Is it Mad Max? Like is it fucking Mad Max? Or is it this place like like Star Wars? Well, not Star Wars, maybe more like um like a Star Trek like we've we've elected to travel the galaxy and we got cool lasers and shit like that. Do you think it accelerates yeah. that quickly because I think I think technology advances way faster and is about to advance way faster than human beings can even fathom. 100% and it's going to it's going to lead to a, the rise of a irrelevant class unfortunately I, i very much believe in 
in the notion put forward by the author Yuval Noah Harari in his in his book Homo Deus. Yes. You know, technological disruption is going to happen. There are going to be millions of people who are irrelevant. And I, I agree with and, that. And, and you're talking and about I, from a work standpoint, right? Yes, a work yeah. standpoint. And you know, he he, he does he, he expounds upon his point and he said once upon a time it was power to the people. The people could take to the streets because the people worked in the factories and the elites had to accept this fact. Now people are going to take to the streets and no one's going to give a fuck. You know what's worse than being under the, the wrath of a, of a tyrant elitist is being irrelevant. Oh, yeah. That's what's going to happen. You know, when you were under a tyrant and, he was and you were working in his factory for chicken feed, you were still getting some chicken feed. And if you all took to the streets, he may pay you a bit more chicken feed. But if you're irrelevant, what do you fucking do? Who fucking cares? March in the streets. We don't need you. And I know I'm sounding, I must sound so harsh when I say this, but this is going to happen. There's going to be people who are, they don't have a place. They've got nothing to do. They've got nothing to add. And I believe there will be both. There will be a Mad Max type. There will be, there will be areas in the world where there is Mad Max Wild West, no rule, no rule of law, and there will be this Elysium type place. Yeah. Well, I just want to clarify. <laughs> That's before, what I think. I just want to clarify before I go forward. I am high as fuck right now, so um, <laughs> I just uh, I reserve the right to use that as my argument in defense if I say anything that uh, people think is completely batshit crazy. But but here's what I think. Okay. I think you have an Elon Musk who is presented this therapeutic chip for your brain. You know, things that can create uh, or can can cure neuropath uh, pathways that may have dysfunctioned for, for motor function or memory or hearing or vision or whatever. Yes. I think, like everything else, um, what happens is, is it's, it's projected for military use because there's a strong sympathy in that place. And it's a, it's a place where our government just goes, Oh my God, virtue signaling. If we don't do this X, you know what I mean? So they, they get behind projects that have gotten them in trouble. And I don't say that against the, the military and I don't say that against the government. What I say is there are millions of dollars and maybe even billions of dollars of helmets that were produced that were ineffective to stop around for Afghanistan. So what I'm yes. saying is, is that in our fervor to do good, sometimes we pass things that have dangerous consequences, right? So yes. we had to lose soldiers wearing those helmets to realize they don't work. That's a dangerous consequence. That's a, that's a detrimental consequence. So when you're talking about putting this into military play and everybody gets behind it because, okay, we're healing veterans, PTSD is going down, on and on and on, at some point it becomes a commercial element. Because now it's in play. So let's say, hey guys, you don't have any problem with function. Guess what? We can increase your overall brain capacity function by 2% for $500. Well, that means a 10% increase is going to be $50,000. And it's going to create this whole new class 
of separatists because you'll oh, be able to, you'll be able to access the brain more and more and more and more and more and more. And then I think we get to a point where it becomes like, you know, uh, a Terminator situation where you have a Skynet program where it's analyzing itself. I mean, that's what systems do. They analyze themselves and they fix the problems. When yes. you have a basically hybrid where we have people who are 50% uh, CPU running through 100% human flesh, eventually they're going to say, hey, wait a minute, we don't need to reproduce anymore. And that thing will have control of your brain and it will either be able to selectively put a gun to your head and pull the trigger or it will stop you from breeding and in the human race altogether. I mean, when you look at the weakest link in a system that can go forever, a 75-year-old piece of flesh is the weakest link. You know what I mean? So if you can prevent the next generation of weakest link or you can stop it altogether in one swift movement, I mean, I know that sounds far-fetched. Nothing you, sounds far-fetched to but, me but anymore. I mean, think about the, <laughs> the number of steps that I just named to you. It's already in practice in select animals. It's being of used, course. I think, in a couple of human studies, he said, right? No, these came straight from Musk. It's in a couple of human studies, which means it will pass for military within five to ten years, and then in five to ten years it'll be ready for commercial sale. And then it's off to the races. So how long after that 20-year window does it take for a computer system that's linked into every single thing that we do from our telephones to probably chips in our brain at that point to realize that the problem facing the earth is the human condition and it eliminates it? I mean, five years ago, if I'd have said that shit, I'd have been like, put me in the institution. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like. Thank God for a little bit of cannabis right now to, to give me the courage to say that stuff. But that's truly what I can see happening. Not that I think this is my, I'm placing my bet on red here. I'm just saying I could see this as a realistic turning point if we start putting these kind of chips in people's brains. Of course. And, you know, once again, this is not necessarily my, I didn't think of this. This is something I've read. So, you know, to, today, as it stands in 2020, we see poverty as, you know, people who live in, you know, they live in beautiful places in the world and they're people who live in slums and favelas and, and without running water, you know, and, 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 and these, these people have to deal with poverty. There will be a poverty in 20 years time, but it'll just be a different type of poverty. Maybe there's, you know, global Global, what's what's that uh, global income? What's that terminology? Oh, basic global income or basic, y yes, whatever that universal, is. Yeah. Universal basic, basic income. income. There you go. Okay, so now just say that that enables every single human on earth to live in a moderate size house with aircon, Wi Fi, flat screen TV, everything. Everyone has a car. So poverty, as we know in 2020, is eradicated. But there will be another type of poverty because the elites will be able to become superhuman. They'll be able to enhance their, their, their brains, enhance their bodies. You know, they will be. It is coming. So those who are unable to pay for these advancements, they are going to be the new poverty stricken. Even though they have food, they have a home and a car and, and all the things that people aspire to today but they won't be the super wealthy who can increase their intellect whose bodies don't age and die 
who maybe have superhuman strength. And <laughs> I think that's going to happen. Do you think that there's a, a literal, I don't want to say it, like a fountain, I mean, the figurative would be a fountain of youth, but the literal being something, do you think that there is a plant or, um, you know, some kind of, you know, you have to have a, a chemical concoction to make methamphetamine, right? Yes. So is there a chemical concoction that is the fountain of youth on this planet? You know, is there it a way? It has to be. Do you think so? Do you think that? I do think so because, you know, I want to get this right. If aging really is just I'm glad, that you're, I'm glad that you're over here worried about being accurate. And I'm, and I'm talking about killing the human race in 20 years or the human species in 20 years. No, I believe so. You know, if, if aging really primarily is, you know what, the shortening of the telomeres that cap our chromosomes, you just need to stop that. You know, on, on, that's what you need to stop. Do you know that's the most impressive thing anybody has ever said in a conversation to me? <laughs> I swear well, to God. I, no, Mind is fucking blunt that you just pulled that. Like, I would have had to go six giggles deep to get to that. And you just no, pulled it out. I appreciate it. Well, that. thank you. I just, you know, <laughs> I, I, I had, I've re been reading about what actually aging is. Yeah. And that's what it is. And it's quite crazy. It's, it's like, oh, fuck, Terrence, I'm actually a meathead. But if I read a book written by a very smart man and, and I actually just concentrate for a bit, I can actually understand why we age, you know, because it's cell breakdown. And Okay, so what's happening in a cell? What's happening in a chromosome? Oh, these crazy things, that cap a cell. Okay, so a chromosome or a cell, in order to, every time it rejuvenates itself, okay, the price it pays for that if a doctor or some scientist is listening to me, they'd be screaming now. But I think I'm not necessarily <laughs> wrong. I'm not necessarily wrong. So a chromosome to, to rejuvenate itself, when it does that, it, the price it pays is that telomere, think about it getting snipped one fraction shorter. Okay. And that continuously happens in life until there's no telomere left to snip. So the cell cannot reproduce itself. So now you can't age anymore, now you die. Does it make sense? Oh, it makes perfect so, sense. So now, if, if, if somehow <clears throat> the cell could rejuvenate itself, but there wasn't, there wasn't um, a snipping or a shortening of the telomere, well, now you've, now you've solved the aging problem. Because that's what it is. And it's, what would it's, the side effect for that be? You know what I mean? I can we you know, emotionally deal with it? That's what the side effect might be. Well, everything in life, you know, has a counterweight. And it's like, to live forever, there would have to be some sort of hell. Like, there would have to be a trade-off. I mean, just nature's balance wouldn't allow it. Unless it of was course. a hell. You know what would, be the, what would be the hell? Once again, not my idea, something I've read. How terrified would you be if you were actually going to live forever? Because think about it, you, you're not immortal. People get this mixed up. If you, are live, if you can live forever, you're not immortal. You're still at the mercy of me shooting you in the head with a Glock, you right. know? Like, people forget that. So how terrified are people going to be with, you know, just going down the, uh, taking a trip down the road? 
Because if a madman crashes into you, you actually still die. <laughs> what if that so, became the game, though? Who lived the longest? Like, that, that, you could live forever <laughs> until you just fucking, until some bad shit happened to you. That would be awesome. Life would be well, way then, cooler. And then the purge will be a real thing, not just a movie. You know? Every, do you think it would turn people into each other, or do you think it would make people kinder? Dumb, no, answer, dumb question, it, Brandon. I know the answer to that. Humans fucking suck. No, humans suck. <laughs> but it would, I, I don't think that people would, oh, wow, I can live forever. I'm now going to learn how to, you know, bungee jump and big wave surf. It's going to do the opposite. I want to stay very safe on the couch and plug into an alternative reality. Because I don't want wow. to risk. Don't you think? Dude, People you're are right. going to be. I, you, I'm you right. Just, eh? God, I dropping, dream and I dream dropping in hopes. Bombs, yeah. Dropping right? bombs. <laughs> I dream in hopes. That's. I'm proud of that. Like I always dream hopeful. But you just brought me back down to reality. Humans are basically trash can juice. You know, oh. like we are the worst. What's the line from Matrix where they talk about the human being a virus? I you can know. Imagine. Hold on, on, let me let me look it up because I want to read that in case nobody's ever heard it. And plus, um, I'll get to sound like I know something. <laughs> <laughs> All right. <clears throat> Every mammal on this planet instinctively develops a natural equilibrium with the surrounding environment, but you humans do not. Instead, you multiply and multiply until every resource is consumed. There's another organism on this planet that follows the same pattern, a virus. Yeah, that's it. And, and that's why I don't, I don't believe if we could not, if we, so let's just say we, we just, the, the, the aging process, we just negated that. It's not going to bring out the best in us because the best in us comes about when we know that our time is limited and we got to make some moves, we got to what, get to the what do you we got to actually... get to the top of Everest and you know cross an ocean, dude. But the, I agree with you because I'm I'm like you. I want to get to the top of the to ocean and the bottom of the ocean and the top of the mountain and back down. <laughs> but uh, dude, there's some people that just want to eat fucking Subway every day. I do. You know what I mean? You know, they just want to sit there and watch my 600 pound life and and then recreate it. Like, I mean, and, that, I, and they're happy as hell. True, I know. When, you know, when I got back from my recent trip to South America, I got home and I said to my mom, you know what? I've lost hope for humanity. And she said, what do you mean? She said, you know, obviously I've been spending a long time in airports traveling and waiting and, you know, delays. And it seems to me that as long as there's a screen to watch and something to put in your face, People are quite content, and that's what I said to her because that's what I picked up. Yeah. It seems that there's, there, there aren't going to be rebellions and all these crazy things. Put a screen in front of a person and give them something sugary or salty or fatty to eat, and their impetus for revolution and rebellion is instantly quelled. And well, they, they, that's they, what they I got. They watch the rebellion. <laughs> they don't want to be a part of it. They want to watch the rebellion, you know? And, you know, as much as I, you know, I make a living, obviously, encouraging men to, you know, make these powerful changes in their life, changes I believe they can make and should make, 
I don't have that much hope for humanity because the evidence hasn't been kind or the evidence hasn't been great. You right. know, I don't, I see, I, I'm overwhelmed at times and, and left somewhat despondent how people, they, 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 they just, they want to be entertained and they, they don't want to be alone and they don't want to know who they are. They want to, numb everything they want to numb they, they want to numb the good and the bad and the in-between you know that, that's that's quite something they don't just necessarily want to numb the terrible and the painful which is understandable but when they're feeling great or good they want to numb that too because now they're just gonna find some random reason to celebrate because it's a wednesday you know so they're right. gonna you know, drink and do cocaine, like some people who I know in the town in which I live. And if things are boring, well, we can't have that because God forbid if things are boring and mundane, so we have to numb that. So people are numbing everything. <laughs> what's, the, what's the penalty for cocaine over there? Because I would imagine it'd be pretty strict, right? No, it's not strict, though. What? Uh, it's not strict. You would have to, you would have to be caught importing it into the country in a bloody oil tanker. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm serious. I'm serious. It's not, it's, 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 it's not, it's not like the USA. Uh, well, I mean, that's, that's kind of been my experience everywhere else in Europe I've been. You know, it's just, yeah, I, I can't remember the, the exact word that was used, but <clears throat> there was a, there was a situation, I mean, it was, we were at a sauna and just talking with a bunch of people, mostly I didn't know, and we were talking about different things. And that was one of the questions that came up was the drug culture in, in Finland. And the, the word that they used basically translated to the fact that if, if this marijuana makes you feel good and you wake up tomorrow, then it's good. If this yes. cocaine makes you feel good and you wake up tomorrow, then it's good. Uh, whatever you need to get up and wake up tomorrow. You know what I mean? Like it was just kind of, we, we don't frown upon it until it's a problem, you know? Yes. And, no, I get and, uh, oh yeah. I mean, but like you said, it's a different experience. I mean, you said you've never, you've never had an inclination towards anything like that, right? No, the only drugs that I've, it's, it's really just psilocybin, which is, yeah. which is quite strange. And do you think you would be maniacal on cocaine? Like you would just be this tyrant. Like just smashing oh, shit, running shit. I would, I would be because cocaine, you know, important cocaine on the ship. <laughs> you know, the, the other day I told a friend of mine, and I actually, I said that, you know, like I'm kind of like a psychopath who loves people and doesn't want to cut anyone's head off and put it in my fucking basement, you know. <laughs> <laughs> and, and and and. I've got such an addictive personality and it's so fucking intense. And you know me well, you've become a close friend of mine. It's, it's, it's made my life difficult. You know, it's made sure. relationships damn near impossible. And I, my only true friends are fellow crazies. And, you know, I live alone and I love being alone and I, and I live a, quite a fucking outrageous lifestyle. And like, I really do. Like people who think I put out an act on Instagram, that's my fucking laugh. It's not an act. <laughs> I, I, I live alone and I pretty much just train and help my guys online and just, you know, 
get to do what I want in the sense of read and, and train and just, you know, when I say do what I want, I'm not Dan Bilzerian. I can't just fucking buy yachts and shit. But it's, 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 it's quite a, like a warrior poet ex- existence, you know? I'm not married. I don't have a girlfriend. And I'm so fucking, I have such an addictive personality that I need to put these crazy fucking things in my life. I just do. Like, I need to train. I'll have a rest day probably every 10 days now. I need to be in the ass. I need my rituals and my disciplines. And I shudder at the thought if I didn't have these things because, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm a nice psychopath. <laughs> I just, I, I, and... I mean, I think it's, I think, listen, I, I don't think it's you individually. And I don't think that I'm trying to group you with anyone else either. You are an individual. But, I, you know, I think if you read about, or, or there, I think there's actually a couple of documentaries, you know, the Price of Gold, Weight of Gold, but it basically talks about the, the psychology, which in a lot of times is psychopathy of Olympic level athletes and i wouldn't say you know i can't look at you and say terrence you're an olympic athlete but i can say of course you're you're definitively uh a a genetic you know specimen that is athletic and combative and big and aggressive you know i would i would assume that the same things that would have carried you on a battlefield would carry you in sport so i think you have some of the same characteristics and whatnot and I have no fucking clue what I'm talking about this for, but <laughs> I do. Know, I understand. I, I do understand. know. I do know that. Um, yeah, yeah. To bring it back to the fact that you say you are a nice psychopath, I think the very things that make what I would classify myself as not a nice guy as somewhat crazy and difficult and uh, combative and aggressive are the very same tendencies and qualities that make me good. Because when you can be aggressive towards a problem or t- towards a situation or towards your training, it's much different than somebody who's tiptoeing through the tulips. You know, um, it's, I think that it's becoming an increasingly difficult world for, I don't want to get to, I'll say, guys, you and I, to navigate this world. I know that there are other guys like us um, with those tendencies. Of course. And, it's, and it's not a, it's, to clarify what I'm saying, it's not a rage where I walk around um, wanting to, to punch people in the face. Occasionally it happens. It's not um, a rage. It's almost a rage at times that you can't quiet. You know, it's just, it's just a, it's probably, an yeah, you Fuck. know, it, there's no outlet for it. There's no, there's no face that I can punch that would solve my problem, yes. you know, but I'm you mad know, about something. You know, I wrote in my journal today, like a, like a fucking idiot. I'm not an idiot, like a, like a crazy man. I said, you're going to con- continue living your life like this on your terms. Uh, not dependent on any living person. Or you fucking die trying. And I'm at, uh, this, is, this is what I wrote. And I'm at peace with death, if that's the case. Sure. Because that's fucking beautiful. That's what I wrote. And... I mean that. It's, it's, it has to, this show has to go on because I don't want another show. I don't want to be in some corporate meat grinder or, you know, be at the mercy of some boss or be in some 
sexless marriage with, a, with some shrew who talks to me like I'm a piece of shit, you know, then I'll fucking put a gun to my head. That's, that, sure. and this is, this, this is, you know, people also need to understand there's a dark side to me, you know, it's, sure. and, and I fucking grapple with this often. It's, I'm at peace with, if, if this life is a one-time deal and I'm going to live it and, and be fearless of, 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 of failure and rejection, it's going to happen. There's going to be failure and rejection, but I'm going to be fearless of the fact and, Anything that erodes my freedom, freedom to express myself, freedom, freedom to create and, 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 and live the life I want to live, well then, fuck, you know, I don't want to live then. I don't want to live a sanctioned life. I don't. Let me, I truly let me ask don't. you this. How much freedom do you feel in saying, you know, I, I don't know how many people listen to this podcast. Like, honest to God, that's not why I do it. I I am actually recording <laughs> conversations. Honest to God, like I, I have this true belief, and I wanted to tell you too. I have this honest belief that these are conversations that I would want to have, and they just happen to be recorded, and I, oh, I share fuck, them. Of so, course, definitely. We'd so be, nobody, we'd be this doing is, this if you were here now. We'd be talking about the same shit. Yeah. So what, what I'm saying to you is, I know there's a freedom for me. In my own understanding, when you say I have a dark side, um, you know, I don't, I don't want people to think it's like, you know, maniacal and, and well, I, I don't know. I don't get it. But nevertheless, <laughs> do you feel freedom in saying that? Because so many people try to pretend like their life is perfect and in order. No. Do you feel freedom in saying I'm fucked up? But I'm also aware that I'm fucked up, and at some level of whatever level I can, I'm working on it. It took me 36 years to be at peace with that and to express it openly on a public domain or in conversation. Sure. Just to be at peace. It took me so fucking long in life to tell people what I fucking want, to tell a girlfriend how I want to fuck her, to tell a girlfriend what I'm attracted to, to tell a, a friend that, you know what, I'm actually fucking crazy, and I'll be your brother, and I'll fight with you, if the need be, and I will be there for you at a drop of a hat. But I'm pretty fucking intense, and 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 you know, the words thrown around, intense, intense. No, I'm fucking ridiculously intense, and there's fucking demons that I grapple with every day. And fortunately, I fuck them up because I've got, I have weapons that I've that I've collected and honed that serve as my defense against you know real dark thoughts, these things I've, I've put in my life which are my anchors. It took me so long to just express my truth. It took me so long to, you know, to tell people I love, I can't fucking imagine the life that everyone I went to high school with is living. Like, I, I, wanna, I would kill myself, and it sounds terrible. It sounds fucking terrible. But for me... I would, it's, I, I, would, I would actually rather go surfing like I do alone and a shark to eat me because it would make a great fucking, it would make a great fucking story, you know? And it would just make a good story. And it's taken me a long time to just embrace my, my, my obsessive nature, my unrealistic views, my unreasonable views. And I don't know why I was so scared in the past. I couldn't even tell a girl how I wanted to fuck her. 
in case she got upset, in case she broke up with me. Fuck. Jesus, why did it take so long? Hey? <laughs> what is that? Do you think it's... Because uh, <clears throat> I, I would say, you know, my life has probably had a trajectory very similar to that. You know, 34, 35. You know, you just get to a point. I don't know if you just... Or I, I shouldn't say you. I should say I. I don't know if at that point I just got tired of life or I got tired of the life that I was living. And I started to had to get real honest with myself about what I wanted and what I was actually seeking, you know, cause you could get up and work really hard every day, but if you don't have the right tools and you're not doing the right process, you're not going to get anywhere. So exactly. I had to start understanding myself at a level of like, the more honest I am with who, with who I am to myself can allow me to communicate how, how and who I am to other people so that there's a clear cut understanding. And that removes a lot of doubt and disappointment in who I am, you know, because at that time, you know, you're over here like the magic guy, like waving the left hand, doing the trick with the right. Not that I was a, an intentionally bad guy, but I would make bad choices. I would, you know, I would say, I'm going to meet you here at five o'clock and it'd be like five o'clock and I'd be like, fuck, I'm two hours away. I'll be there at seven. And it, just like little things like that <laughs> yes. become, become big things. You know, if you break somebody's trust once you'll do it in different ways the next time it'll be bigger it'll be worse and it was just stuff like that I just wasn't a good friend um and I wasn't a good person to people that love me you know what I mean I, I broke promises I, I broke trust and I think trying to to realize why I did those things was more important than having done those things not that of course I, it undid them but like what was the truth in the fact that I could do those things one, I was ashamed. Let's put it in this situation. Like exhibit A, let's say there was a situation where I was ashamed of my mom knowing the truth. So I would hide that. And then on the other yes. side was another truth for exhibit B was I really didn't care that much about this person in my life anyway. So I would break their trust because I didn't care. So those are two different examinations of the same behavior. You know, and yes. that for that for me really helped to remove some of the guilt with some of the situations, which I think really helped me kind of understand why I did some of those things and why I would never do those things in certain situations again, or why if I have those feelings that I know that there's an action that needs to be taken. Like I need to speak with someone about either a change in me, a change in them, or just a dissolvement of whatever this relationship is. But yes. to bring this whole conversation full circle, I was not a man that singularly, that without the help of, I will say, cannabis edibles at first, <laughs> and then progressing into um, psilocybin and LSD and eventually DMT for myself, I think that I had done enough that I was looking hard enough for answers and I was kind of putting my head against this big wall that was my ego or I'll never say was my ego because it always remains. But I think that you can have a better calibration with it. And I think the psychedelics really did help me to overcome hindrances that were within myself. And I'll even go so far as to call those insecurities or fears, yes. you know, not wanting to know the truth can be a big deterrent from finding the truth, you know, it's like, 
I, I imagine. Yes. No, that, that's brilliant. Not wanting to know the truth. Yeah. People don't, people don't want to know their truth. They don't want to know their truth. Yet yeah, they, mean, but, but, but they're trying to live their truth. That's weird, eh? Think about that. Well, it, it keeps you at conflict, right? It's, it keeps you at odds with yourself, so it keeps you conflicted, which keeps you seeking these like addictive outlets, like overeating yes. or spending too much money or you know, cheating on your spouse or whatever it is. I think a lot of that just comes from a place of inadequacy, like a, a place fucking without love where a person isn't taught to love themselves. So they're self-critical to the point that they deconstruct uh, fucking suicide is off the charts right now. You know, I imagine yeah. because people have had to face some of their realities for the first time in their life. And that yeah. is a tragic, tragic reality to know. Even in my hometown, in smart, oh. tiny hometown, there's been nine suicides, I think. Man, that's fucking it's crazy, eh? Yeah. And I mean, a lot of I, divorces. Like a lot of divorces. Yeah. For real. It's, man, I don't know what the fucking, like, this was a question I was going to ask you just back of this. What the fuck do you think it would take to make people just fucking put it all down? Just stop the bullshit. Like, if you can grow corn, I'll grow green beans. You know, yeah. I know I'm being all, all fucking... I don't know what I am right now, I but don't know. I, I'm too I don't idealistic. Know. I think like, about I'm... that often. I think about that. Like, what would fuck? Well, you know, I'm just, I have to share this with you. So, I often think, okay, like, okay, if you if you are if you're gay, you want to come out the closet, and fuck, I deeply respect that. It's fucking fearless. You're living your truth. So, I'm thinking, okay, I'm not gay, but you know, a gay guy comes out the closet. And then he fucking goes on a gay parade and they're fucking so proud of themselves and they march down the street. I said, Terrence, you got to fucking do that about your shit. Yeah. Like, you got to come out the closet about your shit and then even if you're the only person in your parade, you march down that fucking street. Like, that is how I wanted to live my life. I, like, took a leaf out of, like, the homosexual community. Sure. They live their truth and then they parade down the streets. And I'm thinking, here I am, ex 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 fearful to express, like, my choice in women, my choice you, in food, my choice you know, in clothes. The thing, the, here's the thing that, I, that I'll tell you about that. Um, because I have family that, that, have, that are gay and that I've seen, I've seen the best. And I'm not trying to make, to make this universal, but for the person who's sitting there judging a person on their sexuality... Um, what I will say to that is I have seen cases of extreme good within a community and support and love and encouragement and education, uh, that, that I don't often see extended to every single person as you would expect human to humans to do. You know what I mean? And I think that's, that might be why it is a celebration to come out because, it's still hard. You know what I mean? It, it's still recognized as a difficult, not difficult decision to make and to, to own, but a difficult thing to say out loud, to open yourself up to the critical judgment of people that will hate you just because of who you are. Um, I have a real, but, real but they, hard. They're fearless in their, in their, that's exactly in, what in, I'm in, saying. But yeah, they, I, and no one can say otherwise. Eh? No. And, and it's, it's something that, 
I don't know, and I mean, I've never really thought about it until just now. I don't know if the average person, you or I, has a life experience where we feel that type of moment of like, fuck, finally. We've talked about a collective feeling of that, but this is almost like an instantaneous moment, like a declaration of, this is who the fuck I am. Well, that's it. That's the leaf I took. What would, uh, what is uncomfortable for me to share, not be, because it is who I am, like I believe it is who, who they are, and I fucking support that shit, but what is my thing that I've been not really wanting to share with all and sundry? You know what I mean? What's your and little I made secret? That, you know, and then I just like, Yes. I just, I just fucking said to myself, you know what? Fuck this shit. I am not ready to, to, to conform to societal standards. Um, um, I'm going to be very explicit with, you know, what I want in a, in, in a female and a partner. And I'm going to be very explicit with how I want to earn money and, and how I want to live. Why should I not be fearless in my expression of my truth? And, 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 and it was quite a big thing for me because I called myself out. I said, Terrence, you are actually not as brave as they are. When I said yeah. they, the gay community, I said, you're not as brave as them because they actually are living their truth and you and every other fucking tough guy I want to be, myself included, we are actually still scared to, to, to express ourselves creatively, artistically, emotionally. You know, in a relationship yeah. or, and, and even through training. Fuck, I used to be scared to, you know, share my training to the world in case some fucking strength coach expert critiqued it. Yeah. Fuck that, man. Fuck that. And it took a long time, but I thank God it happened as a well, relatively young man. You just kind of proved my point or, or the point that I was thinking about in my head when you were talking. Um, and I say this like, when you talk about coming to the point where you didn't hesitate to show your coaching any longer because you knew it was good, right? You knew it was valuable. You didn't yes. care. If, you didn't care if the critique came because it's like, "Hey, honey, the biscuits taste good. I don't care if you like them or not." You know, you yes. were able to say, "This is a good thing." Whether you think so or not is irrelevant. My clients think so. The people that actually yes. matter to my the, well-being. The people who matter. So. Yes. Here's the other thing that I think. I think. Guys like us that, that are willing to, you know, bear all within reason. Like, I don't think there's every little single thing that, I, that is out there about me. But the truth of the matter is, I'm comfortable in everything that I am. You know what I mean? Yes. Just p- putting certain things out there. I think it makes you defensible against the world today. I mean, if I came out and I said something absurd right now, there's no defense from that. I'm, I'm an educated yes. person. I have the ability to, to reason you know, I can look at just about any situation um, and have some sense of, of a reference point where I can say, okay, I have all the evidence. This, I can see both sides of this thing. Not always, but I mean, for the most part, I'm able to have reason on things. So I trust myself. I trust who I am. I trust my ability to communicate my views. And I continuously try to do that more and more freely when I speak on podcasts and things like that because... If I do say something 
that I don't even recognize as wrong, and it's in and it's in context, you know, or or taken out of context. When you come back to the full context of the conversation, whether that's an additional ten minutes wrapped around that or not, if I explain myself, then I will never ever offer a sorry for that ever, you know, yes. because part of the communication that you and I have talked about is that undoubtedly when two people that, that care for one another's well-being care about one another as individuals i don't have a fucking playbook for covid and lockdown you don't have a playbook for covid and lockdown i don't have a, a playbook for blm and all the things that are going on with protests and antifa and q and all these things like i can't keep up with all the noise so i know that i feel frustrations and stresses and angers and feelings about it all of which come down to the single the single point of i want the human race i want all human races to be in a place where they stand a fighting chance to earn the same thing period that's yeah. it but here's what i'm saying when you and i are having these conversations i can support a movement but i can look at a an act like we talked about the destruction of property i can look at that singularly with inside that movement and distinguish that's what I don't agree with. Of I can, course. Well, you know, I, can, I can individualize and compartmentalize those things and converse about them, but if you were to chop those up into a soundbite, it could make me sound like the worst person in the world. But if you try to listen to the whole conversation, I'm a person who's at odds with myself all the time. I'm critical of what I'm saying. I'm critical of what I'm thinking. That's the only way we can get through any of this, is to be critical of ourselves so that we can... We have There's to. No so other way. Can, There's no well, other way. It's the I'll only be, way that I can honestly communicate to you who I am. You yes. know what I mean? So I think the more open and honest that people are, the more defense they have if something is misunderstood. You know what I mean? And if it's, and if it's bad enough, maybe they were full of shit the whole time. But the, the truth of the matter is, I can almost guarantee that if I say something, if you listen to the the conversation around it, if, even if I misspeak it, I'm willing to own that I said it, but I'll also try to work my th way through the thoughts that led to it, you know? And I think that's valuable right now, to be someone who's able to, to expound on ideas and have conversations, difficult conversations. Yeah. I just don't, I just don't Diffic think enough Difficult people, conversations. Because they also that, take time. They don't take 20 minutes. Well, and that's the other thing, too. I mean, <laughs> how long are we going right now? I'm not sure. It takes, Just over but, two hours, but it's, yeah, I don't but, know that I don't know that we've solved anything universally. But I sure I feel a lot better about some things. Oh fuck! I feel, I feel, <laughs> I feel incredible. And and every time I talk with you, whether we're recording or not, it just reinforces that which uh, I know I need to work on. I know I need to continue to work on, and and it it reinforces the work that I've done and oh, absolutely and it, and it encourages me and and I fucking love the word encourage because it means to put courage in that's, yeah. that's what it actually means if you break the word down and it just reminds me of what more I need to create and what more I need to to share and and how truthful I need to be about who I am and what I want and I don't need to be a good little boy you know, please, right. please, please go out with me. I'll be a good little boy. I'll be a well, I'll be a well-behaved man. Please like me. Please, please touch my willy if I'm a well-behaved man. 
have I earned this privilege tonight, ma'am? And, <laughs> and, and yes, you know, I do. There's a fucking pushback, and I tell the the men I work with when you decide to, you know, embrace this maverick lifestyle. Get fucking prepared because it's going to be a roller coaster. You know, it's, it's not like the world goes, oh, yay, okay, you've made this decision. We're just not going to fuck with you anymore. No. The <laughs> world know, doubles down. The world doubles down, but you also are like an armadillo now. You know, you can like put up in a ball. And you, can, <laughs> you can embrace the armadillo and, and you can deal with it. And, and you almost resistance you welcome it because you just see it as something that needs to be overcome. You know, resistance sure. in training, resistance in life, heartbreak, you know, yes, it sucks. Feel the pain, use the pain. It doesn't mean that it's not going to happen again. And, and that's something, this is my biggest thing that I encourage people. If something is that's happened to you and it's shit, so a woman breaks your heart, Please, please, please don't say the next one's going to be the one that reminds me of why the last one was so terrible. No, she can fucking break up with you too. You've got to right. get real. You know, it's, it's, it's every spin on that roulette wheel is independent of the last spin. So yep. it, can, it can be 10 reds in a row and you're just praying for a black. No, it can be 11 reds. It can be. And, and you need to condition yourself to that fact. If something's gone shit, and then that's gone shit. Don't fucking, you know, hinge your existence on the next thing going well, because it also might not go well. Are you able to deal with that? That's mental strength. That's real mental strength. Not the sexy mental strength that everyone talks about in a CrossFit gym. You know? Like, how fucking tough are you? And what's, moreover, how, how, what's your attitude like to women in general when three women have broken your heart in a row? Like, do, are, are you a chauvinist now? Do you hate all women? Do you think women owe you something? What's you know, your it, attitude then? I see, a lo- I see a lot. And listen, I see it on both sides. I, I really do. Oh, yeah, but, of course. But that seems to be a real, real... Well, that's a dangerous conversation, but it's a real feeling I have. You just tend to see this woman scorned and... You know, like like the like the proud woman scorned. Like, yes, yes. I don't I don't need no man. I don't fuck with this guys <laughs> or this whatever. And it's like to me that just screams hurt and pain. You know what I mean? Hurts. It, you know, why, it doesn't. You know, I just, and again, like if you have hold on, I just want to say this: if you have some kind of retort to that statement, I don't care. Proceed. <laughs> oh, no, no. Not no, you. Not I'm talking about anybody that wants to message me and say, no, "Well, just... guys suck and this suck." No, those guys suck. I think yes, I know. I, I know hundred guys that are awesome. Well, that's the thing. You know, I'm, I take I take I take fucking pride in the fact that having been let down and hurt, I love women. I love them all, and I know there's millions of beautiful women out there. I will never be that fucking pathetic broken man who because he's had his poor precious heart broken or he's been let down that now all women are sluts or women are whores because you're fucking pathetic you're pathetic if you adopt that narrative sure you you self-pity you you you, you self-pitying you want to 
fucking, that's not living courageously. Living courageously is, is believing in beauty and art and creation after chaos and after destruction. Well, that's hey, what let's, let's say this too. Let's say you have that stance, you devalue women. All, all women are bitches, all women are this or that. But then you're still meeting girls in a bar, drunk, <laughs> fucking them. Yes. And, you and, you know, but, you, but in your mind, you've already preconceived this person as a whore. So what is that eventually, ultimately, two days down the road after the hangover is gone and she's left town, what does that say about you? You know what I mean? Like, once again, the female plays the criminal or the bad guy in the role. You're not doing anything to correct the narrative. And I'm not saying, like, there, there are people that are in that place right now, and that's a place that a lot of people get to, but it's a lot of places that, pe- place that a lot of people get through as well. You know, there, there are people out there for the disenfranchised and the brokenhearted. You know, I think that it just takes time and it just takes space. Like, everything that we've talked about, whether it be relationships or, you know, psychedelics or whatever, it's all about time and willingness to accept, you know, it, it, you just can't, you can't force things on people. And sometimes you can keep ramming your head into this, this, like, it's like a song. I hear a song 500 times and I don't like it at all. And then you go through an experience that makes it relatable. And it's the greatest song that you've ever heard in that moment. Yes. You know, um, I think that's, the, I think that's the way that you have to look at life is like, man, I'm, I'm tired of people for a little while, but you got to yeah. come back. You know, yeah, like, you, 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 that's it. You gotta come back. You gotta come back. The holding on to these people who've wronged you and 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 waiting for closure and thinking closure comes from another person. You know, I had to tell my mother yesterday. I had to remind her that closure comes from you. It doesn't come via email from the person. You were right. I was wrong. I will never find someone like you again. That's fairy tale shit. Closure comes from you. You can decide. And you know when people say I need closure from that person, you don't need fuck all from that person. <laughs> closure comes closure comes from you. It does. And it's not something that's that's spoken about a lot. Yeah. So if you've been let down and you've been deceived and betrayed and whatever, and you think that that person has to see the light, and once they've seen the light and found Jesus or whatever. They send you an email, and then you get to read this email and realize, aha, you see, I knew that I was okay, and they are broken. That's not going to fucking happen. It's got to come from you. That's what closure is. You know, and I had to tell my mother that the other day. She's waiting for someone who's never, ever going to admit the ills of their ways, let alone, you know, express it to her. And then she's waiting. I said, Mom, you're dreaming. <laughs> yeah. You know, you have to close it for your own good. And, and you close it by weaving together new experiences with new people. That's closure. You know, and it's, it's fucking quite powerful. Well, you know, I, I want to talk about something there, too. And it is. It's, it's real power. Um, because it's actually conquering yourself, you know, closure yes. is actually at some, I, I don't even want to say it's a small, small. I, I would say fucking closing a, a wound. I mean, a, a, an emotional wound. I, I don't know. 
I don't know how to quantify that. You know what I mean? But I know that it's it's heavy and it's powerful and it's it's so so good to be able to to do that. I mean, I can think of two or three things, and I'm sure you have them too that that weighed on you for every single day, like yes. every single day. You thought about something that you had done or something you'd said. I mean, you know, kind of a life pivoting moment that you wish you could take back. And my God, man, when you when you get peace with it, like, well, for example, there was a girl I dated, and you know, was not was not my best self. Uh, she wasn't <laughs> either. She wasn't either. I mean, I was living my best life, but not my best self. And you know, she wasn't either, but. I think we were just innocent in the fact that we were immature, we were young, um, we were having fun, and maybe expectations were there that shouldn't have been there, and, and lines were crossed that shouldn't have been crossed. But you, you kind of feel like, man, I lost something really good. Well, yes. to come back to it, you know, we both went our separate ways, and for the best of it, like, my life has been infinitely better, not because she's not in it, but because that happened to allow the things that came into my life after that moment, no matter how painful it was, no, how, no matter how regretful some of that was. But, you know, for me, it was just important that I guess I get to know that she was okay, like to actually have that conversation. I got to have that conversation with her and it was like, I have tortured myself over this for all these years and, and she's okay. You know what I mean? Like this yes. guilt that I carried inside was pointless. It was absolutely ridiculous. But we do that so, so many times. We carry things forever that are so trivial. I mean, you and I were talking about a situation the other day, you know, just need, just needed to have a, a simple conversation, period. That was it. But the dread yes. of that conversation, you know, I have to look at myself and say, am I proactively fixing this problem or not? Do I need to yes. have this conversation? Yes, I do. So I have to have that conversation or I'm going to keep going back to the fact that this thing lingers and this thing lingers. And, you know, when you think about how precious time is and how precious life is, I mean, if you spend an hour dwelling on something that's inconsequential, I mean, I would imagine on your deathbed, you'd trade that hour for something more meaningful. Oh. You know? So, of course. and again, one thing I wanted to say too, and I'm glad, fuck, I'm all over the place, man. Um, <laughs> I love it. But I was thinking uh, just about how like time is so important. And we talk about that. We talk about your thoughts matter, your actions matter. But I want to dispel any preconceived notion that I'm like this hyper, hyper, hyper dialed in person that just is on top of every single moment. What it really boils down to for me is when I'm conscious of a moment, I try to control it. You know, there's there's so many passive things. And, like, I just don't ever want to be looked at as somebody that, that has it figured out because I fucking don't. I sure as no. hell have nothing figured out. But my life is getting better when I start to repeat certain habits, you know. Yes. And if and I could encourage anything, it would be to find the puzzle pieces as the habits that form your puzzle, you know, that, that complete who you are. Journaling is one of those things. Ice baths are those things. 
training that removes an expectation of weight but allows more of a feel. Uh, yes. Training that, encourage, that encourages accessible mobility, not just flexibility and movement, but movement that then becomes powerful movement. And, yes. you know, all of these things, reading, uh, getting outside and hiking, the vitamin D from the sun, uh, enjoying a glass of wine a couple of times a week, like just small, simple things that I know make my life better, that I know make sense of the fractures in my, in my mind. I mean, why would I run from those things? Why would anybody run from those things? You know, we have well, to develop this system that makes us better. And we should be obsessed with the system that makes us better. Because what, what better thing? Is there a better thing to be obsessed with than a system in which makes your experiences richer and your and your life better? Like, like, what's more important than that? You know, and and that's because I'm an obsessive person. That's what I've choose to obsess about. You know, enriching my experiences through ritual, through daily rituals, and, and strengthening my anchors. That's, I mean, I think this is, I mean, that's the best we can do, right? Yeah. That is that, literally that, that, the best that we can do. So fucking why not grab it with two hands and be a crazy man about it? You know, the things, <laughs> the things that you can control... Why not just just grab him with both hands and just I can control how I use my body. I can control how I feed myself. I can control what I read. I can control who I want to forgive, resentments that I want to release. We've actually got so much control, but we think because we can't control a couple of politicians and an economy that we're powerless. Fuck, man. We've got, we've got so much control. We've got ourselves. Yeah, that's it. And, and it just excites me how much I can control about myself. And like it, it, maybe I'm, it really makes me sound like I'm off the reservation. <laughs> but it really does. I wake up excited knowing that I'm in control of so much that I'm able to control. Yeah. The thought of Worrying about other people's, um, you know, who they want to date, who they want to marry, how they want to dress. Like, it's the last thing on my mind. Okay, it would be a priority if they were up to no good and they were out there harming, harming people I loved. And that's a different matter. But if, you know, they want to do what they want to do. Me worrying about that or trying to change that or expecting like politicians to be not corrupt in South Africa. Fuck, there's South Africans every day who are so deeply upset by that. They're upset <laughs> by the facts. It's well, crazy. Did you, did you hear Duncan Trussell talking about that? He was like talking to Joe about traffic in LA. He was like, Joe, do you get mad about traffic? And he's like, yeah, every day. And he said, but you know, it's going to be awful every day. Yes, <laughs> you know? exactly. It, but we do, we, we allow ourselves to get, all kinds of emotions, all kinds of range of emotions. It's like you're dating a shitbag that's 
cheated on you 55 times and then you still get upset because he cheats on you number 56 it's like yeah 56 is a it's a mystery why it happens <laughs> <laughs> it's a complete fucking mystery and you know and and i actually got a message just before you called me and i quickly opened it up there's a dm on the gram someone asking my advice on like should they get married should they live the bachelor life Goodness me, that's a deep question just to be asking me like, you know, off the bat because I have no answers to this. And it, it, con <laughs> it con concerns me sometimes that, you know, some younger guys... It's in you know, your hands. Yeah, it's they, in your hands. <laughs> they position me as some guru. And especially in the, in the realms of, of women and dating. And Jesus. But does it make you feel good at some level, though, that people do trust your opinion on such things? Um, no, it makes me nervous. Yeah. I it know. Makes, I mean, if they ask me about training, like actual training, like pull ups, yeah, like that, that makes me feel good. But if they ask me, you know, the existential problems that exist in this world, you know, yeah, issues, I get nervous. Fuck, I don't need that responsibility. Like, yes, I do, <laughs> I do believe in, you know, seeking out responsibilities. But that's a that's that's you know that's a step a bit too it's a bridge too far for me, you yeah. know, and and, and it, it it does concern me because you know as you know my my work grows, it's no longer just DMs about training and nutrition, you know, and right, and it concerns me because fuck you know, you know just the other day. You know, my relationship came to an end. Who the hell am I to be giving advice about relationships? I can give you advice how to process pain and what you should do. I think I've got a good playbook for that. I don't think it's a good idea to, you know, fucking numb the pain with drugs and alcohol. Like, I do know some things. But a lot of shit you just have to deal with alone. There are some battles you've got to fight alone. You know, hundred percent. I mean, I think, I think the importance in that. I think at the very front of the of the what what you're talking about. Let's just use an, a relationship example. In the beginning, if you have to have those feelings intimately and privately to navigate, and then I think you can work your way forward. You know, and then get advice and get support and. You know, have these. You have to work through the the depths of it yourself because you're never going to be able to transmit exactly what your problem is or what you're feeling to another human being. So, somebody asking you that kind of advice, should you, you know, he might be dating the greatest woman he'll ever meet. He might be in a yes. relationship. You know what I mean? So, it's not fair to necessarily ask. Like, I would ask him to describe his. It, it just opens up. It, it becomes a therapy session at that point because yes. if you don't just throw some like, oh man, stay single and just fuck chicks. Well, like, <laughs> okay, that might that might be the answer that that guy needs, or that might be right. the best answer for that guy in in, in context and in contrast of being with her. Now, yes. if she was a good woman and you offer that advice and he looks up to you at such a level that he actually proceeds with that, you just ruin this dude's life. 
it's it's until, 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 until he you know, fucks somebody else. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you know, you know what the the fantastic thing about mushrooms to bring it back to to mushrooms, it's enabled me to process my pain so effectively. Like it's my pain and it's me. It's not pain and me. Right. And I looked at pain, and I it's it's quite something. I go, okay, yeah, that hurts, but like. It's pretty fucking interesting to like get into this. Why does it hurt? Right. You know, and it, and it's and like it's like almost like I'm traveling through my pain as if it's a realm. It's like this new realm, this forest, and I'm going through my pain, and it's oh wait a second, this is why it hurts because of this, and and, and that there, and oh wow, and and. It's it's pretty crazy because it's enabled me to 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 process pain and become so accepting of it. I'm just so accepting of pain because it's so it's so it's not going anywhere for God's sake. So why not understand it and learn it? And <coughs> the psilocybin experience has it's encouraged me to really get to the bottom of why do I feel this because of that and right. I'm, just, I'm, I'm fascinated I'm fascinated by it and that's why I don't believe in fighting pain I believe in feeling the fuck out of it oh yeah, yeah. well and that, I think that's one commonality that's like you talk to the people that have really really dug into themselves and maybe say you know, I, I hate fucking cliches more than anything, but let's say they've done really significant work on themselves. Um, that's the commonality that you hear is it's like you have to be this person who is voracious about understanding yourself, about asking hard questions, about revealing truths within yourself so that you can dig yourself out of this fucking hole of, of lies. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's. It's a shame that we go this long, but the good news is people are living a lot longer and living a lot healthier lives. So if we're catching this at 34 or 35, fuck, man, we could have a good 25 years of this, you know? Well, living that's real, the living cool. real good. Yeah, that's the good thing because, you know, at 50, you know, if we look after ourselves, you know, we, we'll still have, you know, a good deal of athleticism, put it that way. You know, with, with, with further lessons, further self, you know, self-awareness. So it's an exciting time in that regard. I actually said that to my brother the other day. I said, you know, when you, when you, sort, your, when you sort your stuff out, your stuff, you know, you go through these filing cabinets and you throw away old dusty documents that you don't need and you, and you put your fucking, set your house in order and you're 34, 35, 36, 37, you know, there's a there's a, a lot of the game left to play. You know. Oh, most definitely, and I think actually, your maturity <laughs> is finally at a point too that allows you to understand the game. You know, and understand that at times it is a game. It's just understanding the rules of the, the chapter of life you're in right now. Yes. So. Yeah, I'm excited. I I promise you. I wake up and I'm just excited to solve things. To solve, to come up with solutions to problems. I love it. I love it. It's just, even if it's, 
Yeah, okay, like heartbreak. Okay, that's, that's a problem. What's the solution? Okay, there's a couple of things you can do. Do them. Share your experience. Okay, what about this? This is actually quite a difficult cut of meat to cook on the barbecue. It's a problem. <laughs> Let me come up with a solution. I just, life becomes a game. You know, it does become a game. I think you can, yeah. you know, you're getting ahead when it, when it becomes a game. You know, it yes. becomes, it becomes the point where you're not just obsessive about like, oh my God, I'm just trying to get from A to B. It's like, okay, I, I understand people are going to let you down. People are going to fuck you over. Like you have more rules or a better understanding of the constitution of the way it's going to be played. You know what I mean? So, I don't know, well, man. You know, I, th I think you're doing you know, the work, though. You, you know, know? Uh, I am. I love it because I enjoy it. And, you know, our, our enjoyment of this, this life we've got, it can't hinge on the fact or the hope or the dream that, oh, no one's going to throw us curveballs. I hope we have a clean run for a couple of weeks so we can enjoy life. No, <laughs> that's, un that's, that's ridiculous. Curveball's always going to come out of nowhere. People are going to behave badly. That's what they do. How, do we still enjoy life? Do we, do we still have rich experiences? <coughs> and yeah, that's, that's how I live. That's how I live my life. I, don't ex I expect chaos from the world. So I'm never surprised when it happens. Never. And <laughs> it's working. <laughs> that's the best part is it's just, you know, I think once you kind of find your comfort and however you process, just like anything else, the more you start to process the small shit, it adds up to processing the bigger shit and you just get yep. better at processing. So when new problems come in, you've already got a system of solutions in play that really just kind of like de-escalate it before it becomes anything. That's it. You just get, you get sharper tools, you get sharper weapons, more effective weapons and, and more confidence in your usage of them. And, and, yeah, we just it's just embrace. Just I want to encourage people to embrace. You know what? Just that that's a, the first bloody thing in a journal, maybe. What can you control? I don't think I've ever thought of that prompt to share. What can you control? That makes for good journaling for people who don't know where to start. Because they could actually just point they could they could point <coughs> form that. You know? Well if they if they just if they're honest about it they could they could go on forever you know but they have well, to be willing to admit that things are in their control but they've got to start because that should be the thing you could even put a like a co-prompt on there like star star it should be a long list you know what i mean <laughs> it should be a, a damn long list like and... unless you're unless you're on like a medically induced coma you know you can't really control anything but like if you have a heartbeat and you have function of any level, you know, you can do something better today than you did yesterday, or you can at least supply more effort and intention to it. And I think if you do those two things, it just snowballs, you know? Oh, it does. It does snowball. And it's exponential. You know, there's, it, I, I, I saw some, it was actually, I was, it was, it was in an economics article, 0 0.0001 extrapolated. Gets to like 37 quite quickly, believe it or not. Yeah. <laughs> like, I don't know why. Oh, yeah. like, 
they, they stopped at 37. But it gets there quite quickly. And, and I thought of that in a, in a self-improvement, self-improvement context. You, know, you don't even have to progress 1% a day. You can, pro- you, can, you can progress point, 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 zero point, point, point one. And it's still going to get you like somewhere. You'll get to 37. You know? <laughs> Whatever yeah. 37 means, you get to a real full number pretty soon. Oh, for sure. Well, I just think that's it. I mean, people people in the rock bottom can't believe that. You know, they don't believe that it, it compounds so quickly. But, I mean, I think from two two guys, at least if you're listening at this point, two and a half hours, <laughs> you, have, you have some – some trust or complete insanity interesting that uh that we've been through some of those dark days and some of those hells um you know that that kind of opened a door to to the person that you see now or that you're listening to now and i don't i don't take that lightly i think it's a very very important thing to be at a place in my life that i'm proud of the person that i am you know i'm doing the things that are constructive to not only my life, but to those around me and, and people, maybe even through a medium like social media, like I think we're doing some good. Definitely. The people who love me, I love them. And everyone else, I wish them well. And I'm indifferent to them. And indifference not, you know, it's not nefarious. I'm just yeah. indifferent. You know, I don't have the capacity to think about all of them. I, I can only think about, you know, the people who I love and love me. Right. And that's, and that's okay. I'm not here to save, solve the world, save the world or solve all the world's problems or to, you know, be, be the Messiah or the Savior. And, yeah, I'm, I'm at peace with my indifference toward the overwhelming majority. I don't wish them ill. But, you know, the people that I love, goodness me, I can love them so much harder, and I focus on that. I can serve them, and I can love them. Well, I've got to go serve and love my son. And he's, uh, he's just finished football practice, so. And I'm going to have a bedtime snack. Yeah, brother, I knew it, I knew it was getting late is, over there. Yeah, this, my brother, I loved every second of this. Oh, man, I loved it, too, and I love, love you, man. I'm, I'm really glad we did this. Um, <laughs> of well, course. Let's, let's, do that. let's do that live in the morning. Um, of course, perfect and we'll, for me. We'll, we'll announce it, and I'll uh, I'll put this out tomorrow. Yeah, brother, God bless. Speak right, soon. Man. I love you. Love, love you, you too, brother, brother man. Have a good one. Bye.